0: Going back to 2020 again, I started doing the uh, the meditations, and uh, you know, I uh, I started having some ex- some some experiences, man. Where uh, I remember my my first experience that was quote unquote out of the ordinary is I, I felt myself, or my my spirit or my astral spirit, my astral body, leave my body, and I. Re- I don't, I don't know where I was, but it, it looked like space, and I was just like in space hanging out, and uh, that lasted maybe 10 minutes, Yeah, and then I was, I was Did back. you come in
1: contact with anything or anyone?
0: Not at that time. No, not at that time. Not at that time. But uh, I remember uh, one, one time I did. I remember two, two times specifically where the first time I saw what I believed to be the horror of Babylon. After doing a little research, so I, I had this experience where I started meditating and then, uh, I left my body, and then I see a, a lady, and she uh, she was her back was to me, and I noticed she was very shapely, and then I as I got close to her, she turned around and I saw her face, and man, Mala Harris, yeah, I don't <laughs> even know how to. I'm just kidding <laughs> It was like like uh what's the lady with the uh medusa? The commercial? No. yeah medusa <laughs> like the medusa's like it, it was, just, it was oh, like yeah wow. that commercial but it, but it was like yeah these snakes and worms coming out of her face and oh, she was like an alien it was see, and i'm not a person that gets excited too easily you know that's just not my, my, my demeanor but when i saw that i was like oh you know <laughs> and yeah. uh from there i just I, it was gone it just after that it was it was gone
2: Hey, yo, welcome to the Godcast.
1: The Lord told me to tell you,
0: wake up, wake up, wake up. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. Was there an awakening
1: moment? This is like an all-encompassing awakening.
2: It's all-encompassing.
1: Every day, as they would creep in, I would just have to stop and catch myself right in those moments and say, God, I trust you. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm giving you my fear. And I also came to the understanding of what you're saying, what you can't have light without dark. But then I started having the thought of, well, if we didn't have nighttime and we didn't have the winter, then plants would never stop growing. So if we never had issues, then we would only grow more. The thing with me, I never got into the astrology stuff. I never got into really doing any kind of energy work until i was very firm with jesus and it's a thing with me and jesus where like people are praying and i'll get the sudden urge to tell that person to give your burdens to jesus and they'll say like oh i was just trying to talk to jesus welcome to godcast goodness over darkness podcast here's your host emmanuel kingman what is going on everybody welcome to godcast the goodness over darkness podcast i'm your host emmanuel kingman and with me for this beautiful episode is the one the only the lovely mimi
2: hello
1: Hello, my love how are you
2: i am a little under the weather today but i am pushing through
1: yeah and you seem much better after I... our conversation
2: I was really surprised I wasn't like sniffling and wiping my nose for anything through this interview because I was like, please don't let that happen on camera.
1: Okay. Well, I think it was uh, just a spiritual connection. So we had on special guest Justin Williams, host of the Hidden Gateway podcast and also the author of the, the book In the, uh, can't
2: reach. Okay. In,
1: In the Eye <laughs> of the Father. There you go. Which I'm
2: going to read. I'm going to start reading it tomorrow, for real. Okay. I, I need to... Uh, put I'll put it, it right on the After, after this interview, I was like, how did I not know that book was on the shelf, first of all? I probably did know, but y'all know that my memory is horrible. If you told me about it, I forgot. But uh,
1: uh, I don't know I that I actually did tell you. Okay,
2: well, that's... It
1: was one of, one of the Amazon me, packages, <laughs> or one of those packages that I got. I got a bunch of packages all in a row, and... Uh, that was just I'm wonderful. gonna tell you that
2: if you hear like the first half hour of this uh, interview, you're probably gonna want to read that book too. Because now I'm like, I need to hear it all.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the first, yeah, first half hour, hour 35 yeah. 40 minutes, or whatever, it, it, he went into his story, and it's deep. It's he revealed a lot of trauma, and uh, I mean. It's some very heart-wrenching stuff. Yeah. It's some some people may have difficulty listening to it. It's one of those very touching episodes, but it's also very amazing that he was able to do that. That he could bring that forward uh, to help anybody else out there who relates who is going to be freed from the illusion that they have to keep this within, that they can't mm. speak their truth. So
2: i greatly appreciate
1: he would do that
2: to turn around and be able to, you know, heal your the
1: ancestral trauma.
2: And that inflicted your trauma I just uh, put it yeah. that way. Um, blows my mind, you know, the, yeah. it could have went very differently. And, and, uh, it didn't
1: yeah he's a great man he's doing great things and he's just you could tell he's born for this this moment in time uh this warfare that we're in spiritual warfare that may become physical at some point he is born for this yeah. that there's no yeah, doubt in my sure. mind that he was just like give me all of the trauma i will transmute all of it and i will end so much oppression.
2: Yeah, I'll handle it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yep. just a, a he's doing great stuff. His he's podcast, a great guy. yeah, his podcast is great. I mean, he has had on Doctor Robert Malone, Doctor Peter McCullough before they were on Rogan, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., David Ike. I mean, there's a bunch of different people he's had on, so. You guys will surely do yourselves a favor. And, hey, I was on there. So, <laughs> you know, you'll
0: right.
1: you'll like that. And I've revealed some stuff on that one that I haven't revealed anywhere else. It It is the hidden gateway after all. So, you know, everything kind of comes out when you're on the hidden gateway. Uh, and then the second half of the interview, so this interview was two hours and 15 minutes. We could have went much longer, but uh, – You know, we have to stop at some point. Uh, But we get into some very mystical stuff. And some of the experiences he had with the the meditation of sending his conscious awareness to a different state and interacting with a person who was contemplating suicide. Amazing. And then meeting that person over a Zoom call just two weeks later. (laughs) Yeah. And then that person... Being told by a mutual friend that this was the person that visited you when you were about to kill yourself, without that person actually knowing that that was a thing, and then, I mean, just the amount you of, listen to the story, yeah, the, the <laughs> amount of revelation there that God is real, the spiritual kingdom is real. I mean, it's just. Wow.
2: That was an amazing story as well. And that that really is, I said it in, in the interview, but that is really what I would love. That's the work I would love to do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the yeah.
2: Utah work.
1: <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, everyone has their own uh, things to do and, and their own way to get there. Yeah. So when you're ready for your destiny, it'll be there for you.
2: I'm going to work on that.
1: Yeah. Well, I definitely want to try out this a uh, meditation that he was talking about the uh Robert
2: Monroe gateway meditation gateway meditation yeah gateway experience meditation yeah 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 i wrote that down <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so i definitely want to try that out because i mean who knows and uh, i
2: love that he has a war room i love that yeah as
1: well. yeah i think this this is my war room i've been yep. hearing about this sacred place uh, a lot lately and I think that this I thought the same thing. Yeah, this part of mm-hmm. this you know, this is a multi room room and <laughs> and this part of it I feel is my sacred place. You know, I got all I got my mug over here, I got my shirt right the uh, wrong way. I I can't do it 'cause it's I'm backwards. But right there <laughs> this is my shirt You would not and make a I good go, weather oh.
2: guy. <laughs> no, well
1: I could if well, One Zoom, it it mirrors me, so I was used to that. This is yeah. different. This is direct. I do it
2: too all the time. I'm like, nope, 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 <laughs> yeah. nope. This side. <laughs> it's much
1: easier doing it on when it's mirrored, but it's not mirrored. Yeah. So.
2: But and I really want to turn the behind that into you know my warmer. That was like my goal is to have it as my space, and it still kind of is, but I, I guess I need to get back there more.
1: Yeah. Well. I do. Yeah. I know. It'll come forward to you
2: yeah right now it's just space that we use sometimes,
1: yeah, so anyway, you know this is a really great conversation. I think Justin and I have a lot of similarities. I feel connection with him, like he is a brother. I know I may say that often because it I do feel people are my brothers and sisters when I say that, but I really feel something more when I connect with him. I feel. Uh i don't know, like he, he is just it, me that's over there yeah, I, like I don't know
2: fractal yeah,
1: yeah, like yeah. a very close fractal mm-hmm. that maybe we're from yes. like this this inner circle of beings i don't know i don't I don't know how to word it, really, but I, I know that that and he's connected with Metatron in a big way. And I feel what Metatron is for him, Jesus is for me. And, you know, everyone knows, of course, how I feel about Jesus. But I also do know that there are people who connect with other energies. You know, I say, and especially recently, I've been saying that it's not the the names that matter. It's the energy. It's what's inside that actually matters. And God judges based upon what's inside and it doesn't matter the words you know there's there's people that call themselves christians that have no faith in christ at all i mean they're just blackpilled completely and you know just because they claim that they're christian doesn't mean anything so and, and also there's people who call themselves christians that are sinning non-stop so just because you quote unquote say the words I believe in Christ that doesn't mean anything it's your actions, it's your energy, it's your understandings it's your actions doing things based upon the energy that you are giving yourself over to you know we give ourselves over to something in one way or another either yourself or another entity or God, the creator and when you have your works are a byproduct of doing the work of the father that is what it's all about so if you're not doing the works because you're not bending your will to god's will that's really what matters so uh, everyone out there that doesn't really have that understanding that thinks it's just the name of, of jesus christ I want you to open up a little bit, expand, and realize that we are all the body of Christ. And we are all, we are a sphere, a spectrum, that we have to fill out the full spectrum. We are not a hive mind. We are not just thinking one way, doing all the things the same way. That is a hive mind. We can't do it that way. The religion has really tried pushing that to To be a thing, to everyone think the same way, act the same way, and that just isn't the case. You can't put, you can't put your perspective, your life experience into me and my life experience. You have to have faith in your God that what your God has done for you, that my God will do for me. Right, that's what we have to have faith in. Proverbs three five it's all you can't do it on your own understandings. You can't understand why someone says this and why someone says that. But you understand that God will do for them what God has done for you. And you have to have faith in God and not yourself. That's really the bottom line. So I just want you all to have an open mind coming into this if you don't already. I mean his book is called in the eye of the father. He's not uh out here saying anything that is out of the ordinary it's just uh i'm just forewarning some christians is all but i think that's going to do it for our intro make sure you check out justin's stuff on i'll have all the links in the description his website his youtube channel his ig He, he does a lot of great memes on instagram you gotta say something.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say do, in for BitChute, Do you have like I don't? I'm not on BitChute ever. So do you have to have like a special screen name or account for that? No, okay. you
1: can just go on BitChute okay. and search. Some
2: of his interviews are on there because they can't be on yeah, other. David yeah,
1: David Icke and RFK Jr. They're yeah on BitChute only. Well, for the video, but the audio is on his regular. Oh, that's right. Audio podcast, yeah. Uh, yeah, so make sure you check out his stuff. Make sure you hit me up, emmanuelkingman.com. I just revamped my energy work section. I do spiritual baptisms, and I'm doing, I'm calling it guidance now. I'm not calling it light work. Uh, I'm up to the price, like 14 bucks because I didn't want to have triple-digit numbers anymore, so I got rid of all that. I also am doing uh, phone calls only. If you guys don't want the spiritual baptism. So with the, the guidance package is a spiritual baptism plus the phone calls. And with the talk only is without the spiritual baptism. So uh, that way, if someone wants to do a, on a cycle, you know, a repeated scale that they want to just keep talking instead of having to do the spiritual baptisms, then, uh, you know, it's cheaper for it, much cheaper. It's uh, only 50 bucks for the talk only. It's 90 bucks for the spiritual baptism and 125 for guidance. And that's all I'm doing anymore. I'm not, because I teach people how to meditate for free. I do chakra cleansings on people when I speak to them and they don't know it. It just happens. It's not under my control. It's just what happens. So I do that stuff for free. And uh, the full body scan, again, it just happens and I do it for free so why am I going to put it on there it's not like I was even uh, making money off of them so those things I let go Uh, you can go check out the page for yourself I I revamped uh, the whole mentorship program uh, page so go ahead and check that out check out my YouTube channel goodness over darkness make sure you like share subscribe comment Rate and review. Spotify has a new uh, star thing that you can give my show five stars. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. It would help with the algorithms. And uh, I think that is it. So make sure you stay tuned after the bridge to hear the interview with Justin Williams. Everybody stay tuned, and we will talk to you right later.
0: Welcome to the Godcast cross the on my back are slaying demons It don't matter what you call that Searching for the truth,
2: facts and facts until they fall flat Looking like a story man, a all cap. But it's goodness over darkness, it ain't all bad. I met my makeup, but I was called back Emmanuel. Show my people they're under a spell. Heaven, I had his free will. I made my choice and I was well with my soul. I pray the same for you as well.
0: Welcome to the Godcast. Welcome to the Godcast
1: hello everybody on today's episode i have on a guest who has had a rapid awakening he has had some incredible experiences with god and spiritual warfare as well as some traumatic experiences as a child he is host of the hidden gateway podcast everyone welcome justin williams to the show welcome to the show justin how are you my friend
0: hey man i am excellent man i want to thank you so much for having me on I know we connected a few weeks back. You were on the Hidden Gateway, and mm-hmm. uh, very, very happy to be to be here with you today. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I'm so honored to have you on. Uh, I've been w- anticipating this uh, conversation mm-hmm. because when we left off on your show, you were telling me all about Enoch and Metatron. We didn't get a chance to get into that, and I'm hoping to get into that tonight with your experiences.
0: Oh, man. I'm all for it, man. Let's do it.
1: All right. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your awakening and, uh, you know, whatever you want to get into?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I uh, I, I've been on this journey all of my life, even before I arrived to uh, to this world, this this place we call Earth, you know, Mm. and uh, it's been an interesting journey, a very interesting journey and and a journey that I uh, have much gratitude for and definitely would not change a thing about uh, the journey I've been on, even though, you know, like a lot of people, it's, it's been filled with uh, challenges, uh, trials and tribulations. But I must say it's been filled with a lot of joy, a lot of love as well. And that definitely uh, outweighs uh, the, the the challenges I, I've, I've been through. I don't like to call uh, those, those experiences uh, negative or, uh, you know, bad things because they're not. Um, I, I definitely... Uh, know in my heart that everything uh, happens for a reason, and the things that I've been through—I should say, my experiences have—definitely made me who I am today. And I'm just thankful for it, and I give the Father um, all all praises, all gratitude for I am today. So, um, you know, as you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, uh, I, I did have uh, a lot of uh, traumatic experiences as a child. And uh, those experiences came at the hands of my father. Mm. Uh, my father, uh, he and my mother, they they had me a little later in life than than a lot of people. I think they were closer to forty uh, when I was born. And uh, to give you a little little background on my father, he was a a guy who <clears throat> was born in the south. You know in 1942 i believe the year he was born and he spent maybe the first eight to ten years of his life so you can imagine uh in the south <laughs> in the 40s uh for for uh people of color was was very very challenging right and mm. a lot of that a lot of the experiences that he went through he he didn't understand and unfortunately right. his father wasn't around and my grandmother You know, she wasn't, uh, unfortunately, she wasn't very, uh, didn't do a very good job. She did the best she could in regards to um, explaining those type of different experiences to him. Uh, Fast forward, he hit about, I don't know, eight, nine years old. Uh, They moved north to Ohio, Toledo, Ohio, and life was much different for them in Toledo, Ohio. So he was, you know, uh, pretty much a normal kid. Uh, they, they were very poor, you know, and that was one of the main reasons he that they moved north because they because uh, for opportunities, job opportunities, uh, mm-hmm. in, uh, in in Ohio in the north compared to to the south. So they they moved, and uh, he also had a had a brother, uh, my my uncle Lenny, um, and uh, when my father was about 15 years old, my grandmother became very ill, and uh, and and, and my uncle was his 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 younger brother. And so my father made the decision uh, sometime in the 50s to go into the military. The rules were much different back then. And so he was able to enlist in the military at 16, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. So and not only military, but, you know, like I said, the Marines, one of probably the most hardcore branch
1: of the military. Wow, 16-year-old. Wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, man. So here he is, this 16-year-old kid in the military amongst pretty much grown men you know grown yeah. man and um during his time there you know he uh experienced a lot of the same issues that he experienced in uh in alabama where, where he grew up
1: oh wow
0: you know and, and this was all very confusing to him and what it did it it built up a lot of anger it built up a lot of confusion a lot of toxicity you know so by the time he did his four years in the marines he got out um but he he always had trouble you right and uh, what I mean by that, he was very conflicted within and he carried around that negative energy. And uh what what I actually learned last year is that a lot of his, his energy, his negativity was um intergenerational trauma because uh he as his life progressed he had some additional issues with his father and and other people as well. But he got out with the Marines, worked a job and then he got married. And he wasn't married uh for long. It was probably for just a few months and that was his first wife but um that really affected him because uh you know i mean no, no one likes to to for their marriage to end in divorce so right. that was another sure. another uh experience that that weighed heavy on his heart for a long time uh then fast forward to 19 probably 74 i believe it is he met my mother 74 75 uh my grandmother introduced them cuz my 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 mother knew his his uh uh, his mom, my grandmother, and then they, they, you know, linked up or whatever. And uh, my father uh, soon after began drinking. First, they had my my brother, then they had had myself in in 1978. And my father just continued to drink and drink and drink. And, and remember, he has this this toxic negative energy built up inside as well. Um, you know, I had a I had a good childhood, even though I went through the trauma and. To tell you about my father, he was what I like to call a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. High character. Even though I Mm. went through some very, very rough, bad things, very rough, challenging things, I should say, you know, um, he was like the sweetest guy, the coolest guy that you can meet. Like people that knew him, they would tell you, man, Jesse is a a class act, a really good dude, um, a guy that would give you the shirt off his back, right? And he he raised me well, man. He taught me how to how to how to carry myself, how to how to represent myself in in the family. He taught me how to respect myself, how to treat others. Uh, Would constantly, you know, tell me he loved me all the time, man. But that bottle was his best friend, you know. And when he began to drink, uh, it was hell. And Mm. then when he would he he would like literally pass out. And then when he would wake up from being passed out, life was hell. Um, So. I remember one time when I was uh, I grew up in Michigan, by the way, parents moved from Ohio to Michigan. I was born in Ohio Um, when I was born. uh, Actually, before I was born, my mother, she had a vision of her and my father uh, riding along in a hearse. My father was driving and she was in the in the front seat right next to him. And then she saw this like this black blob, if you will, just cover the car. And that frightened my mother. Wow. Oh, oh my God, I'm going to I'm going to die during the pregnancy, during the birth, while giving birth. And, uh, you know, he talked to her, he said, oh, you know, it'll be okay." And then she told her OBGYN and she said, oh, you don't have anything to worry about. Well, fast forward, June 8th, 1978. The day I was born, the morning I was born, um, I was a big baby, man. I was almost 10 pounds. I was like nine pounds, eight ounces. And she had a very, very difficult labor. And the doctor could not get me out. So he had her do a a move where he had her put her knees to her chest and start rocking. But, well, what that did, that actually burst her uterus. Oh, and my really, goodness. She just started to bleed out and she was laying on her back and it was a mirror on the ceiling. And she saw the blood and she said, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Look at all the blood, you know. And then so the doctor ran out the room to go get the head. The head OBGYN of the hospital, and they came in there and they did their thing, and you know they they got her good. They were able to finally get me out, and I, I had to go to um, ICU, Nick ICU, and I didn't see my mom. We didn't meet for like a week after I was born, because I was I was uh, you know not not so good shape, and she was in not so good shape. Um, so I didn't you know get to see her you know until a week later, and I. Within the last year, I, I come to I've come to learn that not connecting with her immediately after birth, you know, caused issues for myself. Because as we know, I, you know, a child is in their mom for for you know nine months,
1: right. and
0: it's just natural for a child to want to and need to be close to that to that parent to that mother immediately, you know. But I, I didn't experience that, you know. And, and this is what the spirit told me, you know. So. um, My mom as well, we we, we go back, uh, go back home again, move to Michigan, Uh, my father, the earliest memory I remember of my father in regards to the traumatic experiences is I remember one day. I had to be about five years old. My father left out for work. My brother and I would stay home for a few hours until my mom arrived home. He worked afternoons and this had to be in the summertime so we would be at home for like 2 hours before my uh my mom arrived and uh we you know we said, don't don't go outside you know you got to stay inside that's what my father used to say so of course I'm like 5 my brother's like 7 8 years old we're like as soon as he leaves we're we're heading outside mm-hmm. friends are all in front of the house right so
1: right
0: um we we go outside and then we see his car turn the corner heading toward the house and we're like, oh shit uh-oh and then so we run in the, we run through the we run in the garage go in the go in the door close the garage he comes in starts yelling at us man he took out his belt now I don't know how old you guys are but back in the day they had these thick leather belts with these huge buckles right I mean these I'm leather belts old. had, you remember <laughs> they they used to I mean these you remember they were like 3 4 inches right and he made us strip down to our underwear and just let us up for man like at least 30 minutes it was, it was, ter- I mean, I can, I can visually see that experience today
1: hmm, wow. and
0: uh, we were running around the house. We were screaming, we were crying. I was trying to run out the door and uh, when it was all said and done, I had uh, these welts all over my body. My brother and I both did. We had these welts all over our body that, that, you know, lasted there for weeks. Um, very, 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 very traumatic experience. Is I, that you know, the
1: first time you remember something like that happening?
0: I you know, Yes, it is, but. You know, my father passed in 2007. There was an incident that happened when I was younger than that. I was two years old. That I had, that when he he mentioned it, I I literally saw it clear as day. Like the scene just popped in my head. So it, for whatever reason, it it was buried in my conscious, right?
1: Yeah, right, like you were too young to remember.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. Or, or maybe because it was so traumatic, I just I, I don't know. But um. He, When I was two, and this is like right before he died, he told me this, He said, because he went through this thing of, of forgiving people that he felt he had done wrong. And he said, man, I was way too tough on you and your brother. He said, I remember when I came home one day when you were two years old, you ran up to me with your arms open saying, daddy, daddy. He said, I picked you up and I just threw you down on the ground. And you just bust out crying and I didn't pick you back up. I just walked to my room or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I tell you, I tell you what, Todd, as soon as he said that, is that, that moment flashed? I saw it. I saw it. And I was like, damn, you know, it was just, it was just really, really weird for me. It came back. So I think that was the first thing that, that really happened that, that got to me. And then, then that, that, that bad whooping or beating that I received was the second. And, uh, you know that that is like the main thing um from 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 my early early childhood um from that point a few years later my parents divorced we moved to uh to Michigan I'm sorry to Ohio to live with my sister um and uh the reason being because you know he used to he used to unfortunately rough my mom up a lot mm. and uh one time he and my mom had gotten into an argument and uh I just remember seeing him slap her, you know, this had to be us about, I probably was about six years old. And then the next thing I knew, me and my brother, we, when we saw that, we, we ran, we ran and we, we hid like somewhere in the house. I want to say maybe our rooms. And then we were kind of looking out and then I saw my dad go to the kitchen and get a knife.
1: Oh wow. And then
0: I just saw my mom take off running, right? She ran out the house. And then my dad went back to back into the kitchen, grabbed like this bag and put like four or five, six knives in there. And then he left out and my brother and I were crying and they were gone, which seemed like forever. Um, but then my mom came back soon after and she said, you guys, hurry up. I just called the police. Get your stuff. Help me get the stuff together. We're going to go to Ohio to live with your sister and then we'll figure I'm going to figure things out from there. So the police came and got us. And uh we went to, to the donut shop. It's funny as it sounds. <laughs> uh not not too far from the house and then my sister and her husband, my brother in law, they drove from Ohio to, to pick us up. So um, wow. you know, we went to live with them. And
1: so he then, so he packed these knives to go after her?
0: Or that's, that's exactly what he did. And my oh, grandmother my, my grandmother told me um at one time, years ago, she's passed on now, but she told me that uh, he had called her. He said, His gonna, mother? Yeah, he called his mother. He said, Mom, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill her. I'm tired of her. This has happened and this has happened, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill her. And she, she talked him out of it, thank God. She said, you know what? I know you love your children. Think about your children. If you do that, she'll be gone, and then you're going to prison for life. Then, Then what? What about your boys, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, she 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 talked him down. And, you know, um, obviously obviously that did not happen. You know, thank thank God. So she was able to talk him down. And uh, but it's that experience. And then moving to Ohio. Living with my sister, that was a huge change for me. Right. Like I literally went to like 10 different schools from kindergarten all the way to, to high school. Because there were so many, so much going on, so each and every time I had to restart. And my father, he was a very controlling individual, you know, being a Marine, having a drinking problem. So I grew up not being able to think for myself or or have a mind from my for my own. He was his mantra was always a child is to be seen and not heard, mm-hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, so that that caused me to be an introvert and to be quiet and not want to express myself like as a kid. I was so quiet, even even into adulthood. You know, I just became so quiet and just shut down. And, you know, uh, because of those experiences. Right. Now we're in Ohio. Uh, We lived in Ohio for like a year or two with my sister. And then my mom got a house like soon after we lived with her. And then while we so in the house was my mom, my brother and I. Uh, then my sister, her husband, and three kids, and then my other brother, as well.
1: so is your sister and, much older uh, than you?
0: yeah, yes, a- absolutely uh because my mom was married previously, uh, okay. she had her first four, and then she had my brother and I with my dad, uh, okay, yeah, uh technically half, but we you know the, the, we don't even view it like that, you know right we're, we we all are very, very close uh, so then I was about seven years old. And my brother, who who, not my brother, who uh, who lived with me in Michigan, but my older brother, he uh, unfortunately got got uh, off into drugs. You know, he this is like in the mid 80s, like when cocaine and and crack hit, you know, um, really bad. He got off into some hardcore drugs, man. And I remember my brother uh, and I were home and he came home like high drunk or whatever. He was definitely under the influence. He took a nap. He, like, passed out in his room. Then he woke up, and he was looking for money. And he lost $700, but he accused my brother and I of stealing it from him. You know, and again, I'm like seven years old. My brother's like eight or nine at this point. So was he a teenager, young 20s? He he was young 20s. He was like 21, 22. Yeah. He was like early, early 20s. Definitely. And uh, so he accused us of stealing his money. And then so at that point man he wouldn't grab one of those long extension cords right and he told us to like my dad strip down to your underwear and then man he just took that extension cord and went to work on us man man and that that lasted for probably 20 30 minutes and i just remember just running through the house i've bleeding all bleeding everywhere all over my body i remember uh running into a room and, and uh locking the door and I, I called my sister at work, the one that lived with us, and she was a, you know, a R.N. worked at the a hospital. And I, I was crying. I said, "Regina, Regina, Marvin is beating us. You know, can you come home and get us?" And she just started crying, and she called her husband, my brother-in-law, and he he came. And my brother, um, I just I just you know stayed in the room, you know. Um, but then my brother-in-law came, and you know they had words. Or whatever, and uh, that was that But yet again, another another very traumatic Experience that caused me to Again, shut down and not want To uh, be be bothered With people that much Then we moved to Ohio, uh, back to, to Michigan um, Like a year later uh, My father, at that point Obviously, you know, my father wasn't living with us But when we moved back to Michigan, he, he was back In my life again, him and my mom had this Like business relationship Where, uh, you know, she wanted Him to be around us And, uh, you know, just for financial reasons as well.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So he moved back in the house and uh, that time was cool, man. That was like third, fourth grade and everything was cool. You know, it was kind of kind of, you know, the ideal uh, for me, at least uh, how I would like things to be. And then uh, from there, we moved yet again. We moved to a different area of Michigan. And this is at the end of fourth grade. Yeah, into fourth grade. So at that point, I was like eight years old. Everything was going cool. Everything was smooth. Father lived with us. My mom, she bought a house. And then I hit uh, sixth grade, middle school. And uh, that's like probably middle school was uh, definitely without doubt the toughest years of, of uh, dealing with my father and the trauma I experienced. Uh, I remember one night, uh, it's the summertime. One night, he told me to make sure I take a shower. I better take a shower before he gets home. He, he, you know, being in Michigan Detroit area, big three, General Motors, Ford, Chrysler, he worked for General Motors and uh, he worked afternoons. He went in for like 3 to 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And then so I, I heard him, you know, pull up and I said, Oh my goodness. I remember looking out the window and my heart's just beating, beating, beating because I knew I, I didn't take a shower. So as soon as he walked in the door, he said, Did you shower? And I said, no, dad, I didn't. You know, I had been outside playing with my friends summertime. So he grabbed me by my shirt and he uh, just pretty much dragged me into the bathroom and turned on the hot water. And then he said, keep your ass right there. And then he went into the kitchen and boiled some water. And I'm not sure if you remember those These little vials of uh, Hot oil treatment I think they're called like V8 hot oil treatment or something yeah, like I,
2: that uh, Yeah I know what you're talking about
0: Yeah so you're supposed to B-O-5 run those under 5
2: or something v 5 yeah, that's B-O-5. what I know, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're it is
0: Yeah Yeah my father did too And um, so You're supposed to run those under hot water But he boiled them Right so hmm. He Boils the little vials. It's like three of them, and then he comes back in the bathroom, and he grabs me by the neck, turns on the, the faucet water, has me by the neck, and sticks my head under the water. And so as you can imagine, the water's running down. He opens the vials and just pours that boiling oil. All of them all over my head, and I was just screaming and crying, and it literally burnt my scalp, burnt several holes all over my head,
1: Oh my goodness. and uh,
0: just, just just had me under there, which felt like forever. It had to be probably at least three to five minutes, but it just felt like we're never in. And I'm yelling, crying, screaming, kicking, and then uh, then he he let go, and then I just fell to the ground, and I was just just in tears. And then I remember him saying, "Now go get your ass in the shower. You you better be out there shower in five minutes." And uh, no, in fact, when I fell to the ground, I wasn't crying because I was scared to cry. So I was keeping my tears in. But then when I got in the shower, that's when I just let it out, you know, because I couldn't hold it in any longer. And then, uh, yeah, that was that was that was something. And then, man wow, uh,
1: man, that, that is uh, this. This is some really tough stuff that you're revealing here. And I want to thank you for your courage and your openness and your honesty, because. I think that a lot of people would do tend to not want to talk about this type of thing because it is, I mean, this is some, yeah, this is some really deep stuff that you're getting into here. So I just want to really say thank you for everything. I mean, you and all the stuff that you do now, the, uh, the beautifulness that you carry about yourself, you know, before we started and yesterday I messaged you, like, listen to your podcast. You have such authority in your voice that you have a cadence about you that it just commands respect. It really does. And you carry yourself as such a a loving person, and you don't bring any of that stuff that you're talking about. A lot of people hold that, and you can feel that they hold that, and you just are an open book with it, and, and just you're energetically pure. And it's just uh, really amazing. So I just want to thank you so much for opening up about all this.
0: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know, it, it's it's been something else, and, and just you know, expressing myself in that manner, it, it's it's still healing for me to this day, right? Yeah. And you know, I was always told that my dad was a good dad, like you got a great father, because I mean, he took care of us, you know. But it, again, there was a, this other side. But it was my wife that helped me realize probably about five six years ago she's like your dad was not a good dad i don't know what you're talking about he was not a good dad he's like you don't treat our children that way and mm. you know there's no reason he should have treated you that way he had his issues but you know you you had you have to you have to work through that you know because i kept a lot of that suppressed so that right. started this journey of just pulling back the layers and coming to different realizations and and that was hard man because i i love my dad i really looked up to my dad you know Um, I I respected my dad. But one thing that I always chose not to do was to and even at a very young age not to carry that, you know, because I knew what he um, experienced and I always knew that I didn't want to have the same struggles that he had. And then and I think I told you before, I became a father at 19 young age. And, you know, I said, you know, I cannot be like that with with my son and I I don't want to carry that forward. So in a way, I I subconsciously stopped the intergenerational trauma with me. You know, I didn't, I I didn't know what I was doing, but, you know, it's just, it just goes to speak to the greater good of, of God, how he just places things on your heart and and, and shapes you and molds you and allows you to have these different experiences in life. And if you choose, we all have free will. And if you choose not to carry forward with certain behaviors based off the experiences you had, then you will find healing. And if you choose to keep love in your heart, you know, all that stuff my father went through and so uh, put me through and it's so much more. I never had any type of like, Oh, man, I don't want to be bothered with you or anything like that. I still showed him love. And up until the day he died, man, you know, uh, he, he, he had this accident. Well, first of all, he got, he got really sick uh, with heart disease and, and prostate cancer, lost a ton of weight. And uh, I had to, I had to go take care of him. You know, I had to, I had to feed him. I had to bathe him. He was so weak. I had to take him to his doctor's appointment. So I, I lived with him for, for several months and, I remember we we used to have these long, deep talks and he shared with me that, you know, he said, I I thought I was uh, strong and doing a manly thing with how I raised you and trying to raise you the way I thought you needed to be raised. He said, but after all I put you through and the way that you have forgiven me and the way that you care for me now at my weakest, lowest moments, he's like, that's the. He said, "That's the that's the manly thing. That's the truth in what you're doing." Wow. He's like, I, I, he told me he learned learned from me um, in, in that, and um, I, I think that's important for people to know. You know, um, even though you may go through certain things and have different experiences that that don't feel good, I think it's definitely important for people to at least try to maintain a certain attitude a certain joy in your heart knowing that there is light there is hope there is um, peace available to you you know you're not done especially if you if you you believe in god you know especially if you believe in god you know it's, it's rough
1: yeah when you first opened up and you were saying how your father had the uh you know the ancestral trauma being carried on what the thought that popped in my mind is that he carried it to you so that you could then transmute it and end it wow and and it seems like you did that you know before you even had any mystical experiences or anything you just knew that what was going on wasn't supposed to be and that you were going to do it differently and that you even showed your father before he passed what a man is supposed to be and for him to have that realization while still alive, and you being a, a young father at the time still, you know, that that is just uh, a very big, very big thing that you did for all of the people you share DNA with, you know, all your pre- predecessors and everyone to come after you. You really, uh, you bared that brunt and you really uh, – I mean, hats off to you, my friend. It's just an incredible story that you have here.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think that is uh, very important Um, and and well said, man. I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, again, I I just get, oh, you got it. (laughs) Oh,
2: yeah. yeah. And the
1: book, In the Eye of the Father, memoir. Yes, yes. Uh, Everyone make sure you uh, grab a copy. My thoughts
2: were you know, you could have chosen to go all diary of a mad black woman, mm -hmm. and you didn't. You chose love and to show him love, and that's how he healed.
0: Yes, yes, thank you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think it was important for me to do that, not only because it was the right thing to do, but I also believe it was important for me to do that in order for me to fulfill my purpose which the father has placed in my life because yeah. I, I, I could not do what I'm doing now and 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 do the things that God has for me to do in the future, carrying that toxicity, carrying that negativity. Exactly. You know? And yeah, I, I had I had the opportunity to do that, like we all do, right? right. But I decided to go through the storm and, and not around it or even completely just completely avoiding it. Ignore it. it. Yeah. Exactly. Because you know, I was raised in the church, you know, and Todd, I think I told you when we talked before that I was one of those kids that went to church three, four or five times a week. My mom, right. especially after my mom went through what she experienced with my father, through the divorce, when we got into Ohio, moved in with my sister. She 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 was at her lowest point then. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she started going to church and, and and just really becoming involved in the church and, and reading her Bible and. You know, I I was right there with her for for several years. And so at that point, uh, a seed was planted, you know, Mm. that eventually came to blossom is what what I needed. And that kind of circles back to what I said early on that, you know, nothing happened in my life by coincidence. It's all purposely done. To mm-hmm. shape me and mold me, you know, and and yeah. I'm at, I'm at peace with that. That took a while to for me to to have that understanding. But once I was able to have that understanding and and truly know that God is in control and and that He is in with in in me, that the kingdom of heaven is in me, and and I'm having I'm I'm a spirit having this human experience. Yes, that that was life changing, man. That yeah, was, that, that did it for me, man. I tell you,
1: I like, was. I was having a conversation with my mother earlier, and it was I just saw that you posted on Instagram something about ancestral trauma. You know, it was a whole line of people. You know, from the great grandfather to the grandfather to the father to the son. And I was telling my mom about this earlier, and I'm like, "Hey, like this is how things really work. That we do things, and it is affecting our grandchildren, great grandchildren, all of our ancestors down the line." that we are building their DNA strands now by our choices. And it is encoded in them. And she goes, oh, yeah, that's like uh, saying something's in your genes. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what that means. People just don't understand that. It's every decision that you ever make is encoding into your ancestor or into uh, your future ancestors.
0: That's yeah. right.
1: Yeah, and so I was explaining to her, I was like, like, what I went through, I don't, it's not the ideal scenario, but what it, it was meant to be. If I didn't go through that, then I wouldn't be where I'm at, where I am. I wouldn't have the understandings that I have. I wouldn't right. be able to help people. And I mean, I get sent the most beautiful messages people telling wow. me that, yes. that I'm helping them just by having my podcast, you know, and it's, it's and when I received that message, I'm like, this is so much worth so much more to me than money ever, ever could be.
0: Yes, that's beautiful, man. That, that's that's awesome. And that's that right there is what it's all about. Right. Paying it forward, knowing yeah. that you are, you know, um putting your footprint out there, helping people, doing the Father's work, man. You, you, you've you really stepped into your purpose, and you, you're doing a, a great job with it, man. You, you really are.
1: Thank you so much. I'm right back at you. And it's an interesting choice of a title for you, In the Eyes of the Father. And you use that terminology, the Father, very often, and uh, Christians use that terminology a lot. And it's when you start waking up and you come to the realization that other people have other ideas. It's uh, it's a thing where you try different things out, and what feels right for you yes. it, is what you end up latching on with. So it's a, a very interesting choice of words. So why those choice of words? Was it uh, in memory of your father somewhat? Is it just uh, how you see God as the fathers? How did you come about that uh, title?
0: Definitely the latter. How I see God as the father. So in the eye of the father is, um, you know, well, first, everything I told you, plus much more is in the book, right? All the trauma, Mm -hmm. all the experiences. So with the title in the eye of the father, um, that that simply means everything I've been through in life, everything I've experienced is experienced the good, the challenging, the trials, the tribulations. Every second since I came to this place, I have literally been in the eye of the father. Mm. Um, you know, I, I am very, very blessed to, to still be here to, to, to be, you know, um, because I tell you what, um, life could have been much different for me. Um, and I do remember when I was about three or four years old, and this is when my parents were still married. I, uh, my, I, I became very sick, right. And my mom, it was in the morning time. it It was morning time. And my mom, She was leaving out for work. I was still in my bed, and my father was there with us. And, uh, you know, she she came in to check on me before she left out for work. And uh, she finally, she gave me a kiss and said, I'll I'll see you later this afternoon. So she left out. And she was gone maybe 15 minutes. Uh, She forgot something. And this is God at work. She forgot something. Mm -hmm. So she came back to the house. So when she came back in, she came in my room to check on me. I was purple, man. And my eyes were rolled back in my head and she screamed and she said, Jesse is my father. She said, come here, Justin is something's going on with him. You know? And so my father came in there and they, they, both panicked. They, uh, my father said, Hey, let's, let's, let's take him to children's hospital. You know? So they, they jump, uh, jump up, put me in the car, we go down to Children's Hospital. We rush through the emergency entrance. And uh, this this nurse, my mom says it was a, a little little nurse, Filipino lady. She, like she literally met us at the door. It was like, again, God at work, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, we walked in and the nurse is there. And she said, let me see him. And so she touched me and she she kind of examined me really quick. She said, it's pneumonia. Hurry, hurry. We have to hurry. And so she literally took me back to like the the area of the hospital to the operating area. She told the doctors what was going on, and doctor confirmed pneumonia. I was literally drowning in fluids in my lungs. Wow. So they had to cut a hole in my side, stick mm. stuck a tube up, and drained all that fluid off my lungs. Wow. And the doc the doctor said, uh, another thirty minutes to an hour, I would have I would have checked out, man.
1: Well, fifteen minutes after, and you were fine when she first left. out? there was like no, no symptoms of that type of uh, no. Illness? Yeah,
0: yeah, you. Know, I was sick. I was sick. You know, mm-hmm. that's why she came in there to check on me. But I right. wasn't. I wasn't that bad, man. Yeah, know, I, w- I, I wasn't that bad. So yeah, a, for fifteen minutes, man. She said, "I." She came back, and I was. My face was purple, and my eyes were just literally rolled back in my head. Wow. Well. You know, they, they rushed me down there. The nurse literally met us at the door and, uh, yeah, they, they drained that fluid off my lungs. And then after everything settled down, this is the kicker, right? They went to look for that nurse to say thank you. People said, who are you talking about? This, There's no body by that name or that looks like that or no Filipino nurse that works at this hospital. Wow. There was, she was nowhere to be found and nobody knew who she was. So wow. yeah, I take it that she was an angel.
1: You know? Yeah, it sounds like it. I, I imagine that was like a dream scenario for you. Do you remember the situation or is it just
0: being told to you? Man, the only thing I remember, which is the best part of it, is <laughs> – going into the play area. It's children's Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> A few days later after I was able to, you know, had enough energy and shrimp to play because I remember I remember they rolled me in a wheelchair and I looked over. And it was this playroom with all these cool toys in there. And I said, "Wow, man. Look at that. I got excited as much as I could." And then uh I said, "Mom, I want to go to the play." This is like 4 or 5 days later. I said, "Mom, I want to go to the players." So I, I remember and I was able to walk at that point. I remember walking down the hallway and going in the playroom and just going at it. Wow. <laughs> that's the only thing I remember. I remember being in the hospital playing in the uh the little little play area, so oh,
1: that, well, that's a good memory to have that yeah. I mean that does sound like an angel to me uh i, I know the the Bible talks I about angels being hu- like them. humans, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. so I just certain. You do, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, just circling back, that was just, you know, again in the eye of the Father, you know, even through through that through that experience, you know, God had His eye on me, He had His hand on me, man, and uh, you know, just just saw me through. He, he I, I know in my heart, He sent an angel to uh to be there to assist because you know she literally met us at the door like we didn't have to go for for registration or anything it's just she, she crossed our path right on time and, and got me back there right when i needed to be back there to have that that minor minor operation so
1: yeah um i can feel you're hugely important to this awakening process and uh you know yeah. that you were definitely being looked after because of what is to come and i mean what has already come but the more that is even to come,
0: yeah, yeah I, I definitely believe that um, i I've had some experiences uh, over the last two years here that that have have confirmed that 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 God is is really going to use me mm-hmm. to 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 do his work uh, you know as, as this world continues to get more uh chaotic and uh confused. Um he has a plan for uh not only me but but uh a lot of people that that are uh that that wanna work on on his team yeah. in his in his army as i like to call it oh yeah and uh yeah he uh he he has definitely revealed that uh, as you know i've had some uh some pretty what i like to call amazing experiences
1: yeah yeah, let's get into that.
0: Yeah, so in uh in twenty twenty, uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time it is is as is, is rough as twenty twenty was for a lot of people worldwide, it was without doubt the greatest or the best year of my life. Mm. You know. Um I was laid off from my job in March like like millions of other people and I'm sitting around the house and trying to stay busy as much as I could, trying to entertain myself, my wife and, and my children and you know, um uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was something else, as you all probably know. But uh, my wife and I had we we had always, uh, you know, been on this spiritual journey in, in which we were just always seeking truth. And just to take you back, as you know, I'm in the Phoenix area, but and I've been here since 2018. But prior to that, we lived in San Diego from 20 we left Michigan in 2012, so we were in San Diego from 2012 to to 20, 2018. Now in the Phoenix area, I remember coming home from work one day going up into my room sitting on my bed all by myself and i asked the father for truth I, it may i think i was may have been going through a rough period it's a challenging period in my life at that time dealing with things on the job and in and, and, and my marriage and, and with my children and, and with, with with other things and i said lord i want to know truth and then i heard audible just like the three of us are are, are conversating now i heard that nothing is as it seems
1: I just kind of
0: I went whoa nothing as it seems and and, and I knew in my heart and, and I, I know you you both know when when you when the spirit speaks when the God speaks you know without a shadow of a doubt who or where it's coming from right and
1: and this wasn't even in a meditative state no psychedelic experience this is just sitting there and praying essentially that,
0: that that's right I, and and okay. it I, I, it wasn't even really a prayer I just came upstairs sat on my bed I was mm-hmm. I remember being a bit frustrated and I, I just I just I just said, I, want, I said, God, I want to know truth.
1: Well, Did you, like, look around? Like, did I just hear that out loud? Did someone hear?
0: <laughs> that's exactly what I did, man. I've that's done exactly that plenty what, of times, my friend. Yeah, that's exactly what I did because I heard the voice, man. I, yeah. and I said, nothing is as it seems. And, and since I knew where that came from, I took that literal, and I still do to this day, nothing. I mean, literally, nothing is as it seems. And so this took me on a journey. And this had to be in 2014, 15. But this took me on a journey, and it took me on a spiritual journey at that point. That's actually when I started my spiritual journey. My wife and I started going back to church started attending a non-denominational church. We stopped, we wound up leaving that church because it was just too many politics, too much stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Um, then we started doing like the internet thing, learning about different religions on the internet, you know, that we learned from the internet researching. And we went through this journey of trying all these different things and, and nothing stuck, nothing felt like home, you know? And so then I just, just let it go. I got away from it. And this is a period for about three years where I was not really even praying. I wasn't talking to God. I wasn't reading the Bible. I wasn't doing anything. And this was the first time that I ever had anything experienced like this because, again, I was raised in the church, you know, Church of God in Christ, and you know, I had always talked to God throughout my entire life. Even when I was in high school, running the streets in Detroit and getting high and, and and drinking and doing all this, all those things, I still kept God close to me, praying and just constantly talking to him, to him, to him throughout the day. But there's a period of two, maybe three years where I had completely stopped doing that because I, you know, looking back on it, I became frustrated because I was thinking, wow, there's 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 God. And I know he's real. But why? Why doesn't this feel right with with what I'm doing? Why do I don't? Where's where's the peace in it all? Why? Why am I still confused? Why am I not understanding certain things? And it just wasn't right. So, again, fast forward to 2020. I then began learning about. Spirituality, right, and not—I wasn't focused on religion, right, but spirituality. Mm-hmm. And then I began to to meditate. I started doing the Gateway meditation, and we may have talked about this, Todd. The Gateway meditation is was uh, developed by uh, Robert Monroe uh, back in the 70s, and it uses uh, hemi a hemi-sync meditation that uses binaural beats. So you have, you know, you do it with, with ear pods, right. Or, you know, earbuds and it's two different beats coming through each um, each uh, each earbud or ear, ear pod. And then they go into each different hemisphere of the brain. And then what happens is they create another beat. So this puts you in a very relaxed state of mm-hmm. mind, which causes you to um, have a, you know, cause you to be more focused, so you you can meditate. But uh, just to give you a little bit more history on the Gateway meditation, uh, Robert Monroe again developed this, and people were having these out of body experiences. And mm-hmm. so the the, the CIA, or no, I should say the the, ar- the army, the special a special unit of the army, they went to his facilities and had him show them everything they were doing, and uh, they began doing it. And uh, they they weaponized it And I actually have a video about this On, on YouTube as well on my channel
1: I'm going to have to check it's this a, video out
0: So they start spying Doing like remote viewing and spying On the Russians and the Chinese early 80s And, and, and in fact just to put a little more padding to it you can actually go on the CIA website the documents became unclassified a few years back you can oh, just wow. type in the gateway process and they have all types of documents regarding what they did what I, what i'm explaining to you so it, right. it's there it's there man and what they
1: uh the stanford uh was the SRI Stanford Research Institute when they were doing that type of stuff with sir. the
0: CIA yep you got it, man. It, it all aligns. It all aligns. So again, they 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 learned about these out of body experiences and uh, they they weaponized it to use uh to use it. They were actually going into uh their their facilities in China and uh, and Russia as well to to spy on them to see what they were doing. Uh, their their astral bodies, you know. Yeah. So uh, in fact, what the CIA is doing now, they're actually uh. They're they're mapping this they're they're trying to map the spiritual world where they have these out of body experiences and trying. Yeah, they to came out with
1: them. the holographic universe theory. where they came they unleashed um, uh, those documents not too long ago. And remote viewing for anyone who's unfamiliar with is it can be a very dangerous thing. It is something I don't recommend someone just try because what happened when I found out about it I was like oh this is so cool I want to try it and i did it and i made contact with different entities
2: mm. and
1: what happened i was i became psychic all of a sudden and i before that and then i started doing this so i removed you fairly easily and then i was tricked into thinking things were one way and i was led down this path because i was getting information that was telling there's no other way i could possibly know it then what really helped me understand is I had someone on, I'm not going to say who, on the podcast very early on, and they were on Twitter encouraging people to remove you. And I was like, well, you know, you got to be careful. And they blocked me because I said, what you're telling me in the DMs, I said this on the Twitter, I said, uh, you know, on the public thing, it's like, what you're telling me in your DMs and what you're saying publicly don't match up. And they blocked me for it. And then I'm like, wait a second, you know, what's going on? And then later that day, I'm meditating. And this person, in conjunction with another person, were trying to remove Yume. They were trying to, and, uh, wow. you know, I don't want to say what happened after that, but, you know, they didn't try it anymore, I'll tell you that. Because wow. there's certain abilities that you, that God gives certain people, and you can do certain things. And yeah, uh, so they tried remote viewing me, and uh, it did not turn out well for them. I'll, I'll say that. So <laughs> right. it, it's remote viewing can be a very dangerous thing, especially like I'm just a person who barely started. I was like, imagine what these entities who are essentially living out there could do to you. You know, don't mm-hmm. just pick this up.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's that's word to the wise right there, my friend. Absolutely. You don't want to get too deep or can really mess with things like that just uh man just, just my, my advice to people is just be led by the spirit of the father and his divine beings man you don't want to just go trying stuff <laughs> on your own yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a whole different world as we know right yes, uh sir. it's not all friendly <laughs> that's, <laughs>
1: no. that,
0: that, that's for sure yeah so.
1: spiritual warfare is a very very real thing
0: Oh, yes, yes, and I learned about that as well uh when was that last year almost a year ago in april um and i'll I'll definitely get into that um but going back to twenty twenty again I started doing the uh the meditations mm-hmm. and uh you know i uh I started having some ex- some some experiences man where uh, i remember my my first experience that was quote unquote out of the ordinary is I, I felt myself or my, my spirit or my astral spirit, my astral body leave my body. And I, re- I don't, I don't know where I was, but it, it looked like space and I was just like in mm-hmm. space hanging out. And, uh, that lasted maybe 10 minutes, you know? And then I was, I was Did you back come
1: in, in my- contact with anything or anyone?
0: Not at that time. No, not okay. at that time. Not at that time. But, uh, I remember uh, one, one time I did, I remember two, two times specifically where the first time I saw what I believe to be the whore of Babylon mm. after doing a little research. So I, I had this experience where I started meditating and then um, I left my body and then I see a, a lady. And she uh she was her back was to me and I noticed she was very shapely. And then I as I got close to her, she turned around and I saw her face and man is Mala Harris. Yeah, I don't Harris. even know how to <laughs> it was like man, like uh what's the lady with the
2: uh no. Yeah,
0: Medusa, <laughs> like the Medusa's like and, and, and it was just it was oh, like yeah, wow. that commercial but it, but it was like yeah, these snakes and worms coming out of her face and oh, she was like an alien, it was deep. And I'm not a person that gets excited too easily. You know, that's just not my 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 demeanor. But when I saw that I was like, "Oh." You know. <laughs> and yeah. uh from oh. there I just I, it was gone. It just after that it was it was gone and then um, and I was just, I guess I was back because then I, I was, I knew I was in my closet because I have this, that's what I call a, it's my closet, war room or sacred space mm-hmm. uh, that, I, that I like to call it where I have this altar built. I have a Metatron's cube in there and I uh, have a, 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 a lot of crystals set up in there, a sword for cord cutting and I have a crystal grid in there as well and a um, little, little Metatron, Archangel, uh, Michael statues, etc. But I remember this one time as well, where I was doing the meditation, and then I went to this place and I saw this this entity. This thing was about eight or nine feet in height, and it it looked it looked like a uh, almost looked like a a totem pole,
1: hmm.
0: you know, like it was made of wood. It's like a totem pole, man. And uh, it was it was brown. Yeah, something like that, something like that. It reminded me of a of a uh, like a, it was like a, it looked almost like an African warrior, you know. Mm. It was like brown and it had this elongated face. face. Yes, yes, okay. yes, absolutely. And I, a family member was standing right next to it. It had like its arm around her and holding her close. And this family member was in fear, mm. and she was she was scared, she was afraid, and you know. I'm like, I didn't know what to do, and I'm just standing there, and all of a sudden, this thing like reaches out at me. It like tried to make contact with me, and it wasn't friendly contact, that's for mm. sure. It's like it tried to, I want to say maybe it even tried to stab me, man. hm mm. But uh, I, I I like I I like freaked out. I remember freaking out, and I didn't know what to do, and so I called on an archangel, archangel Michael, right? And I kid you not, out of the corner of my eye. I saw this huge angel with wings and all. Wow. It flew in at like a thousand miles an hour. It was going so fast. and made contact with this thing. It, like it flew into it. And wow. the thing just like exploded, just disappeared. It wasn't even a battle. It was just like as soon as the angel made contact with it, the thing was gone. And then my family member, she was relieved and she came over near me and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was something else, man. It
1: what was, was the face like? Football shaped, like it was elongated, but it, it was like maybe like a football shape. And the <laughs> the eyes like it they weren't filled in, but it was color around the eyes, color around the it, mouth. It,
0: it was. I it, I remember it being like um, you know, uh, like uh, like paint. Yeah, like color, Yeah, it was like different colors, man. That's why I said like an African yeah. war or even a Native American. Uh, but there was your, like no it, eyes there uh it was black like black eyes yeah man. yeah i am yeah,
1: saying was... it right now i think i'm saying it from your memory mm. but uh it's uh i've i think that i've seen this depicted somewhere maybe in a cartoon somewhere yeah. before yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah i i very much understand i see white uh, like, paint on the belly as well, like, uh, yeah. on the sides, yeah, I can,
0: I'm definitely picking up on this thing. You, you got it, man, that's exactly what it looked like, very tall, kind of slim, and, yeah, uh, yeah it, it it was uh, definitely not of the light, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a strange thing, Uh, it's giving me, it's warming me very much, just, like, talking to you about this right now, I don't know why, I, I just got very warm all of a sudden, so... Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, I've been saying a family member. I'm just going to tell you, it was my wife that was with with oh, us my this thing. Yeah, it was my mm-hmm. wife, and then um, come to find out, she uh, she she had been dealing with a lot a lot of issues um, in her life uh, due to inter intergenerational trauma yeah. as well right and this this is like she's gone through this transformation or this rebirth herself over the last really strongly over the last year i'd say uh 2021 20, was an amazing year for her as far, as far as healing and growth and uh i i thank god that i was able to uh, go through that experience with her and even help her right. i um i was I actually did some things to um induce the healing of her in regards to praying over her. And we, we really had familiar. some amazing, amazing experiences, uh, here, here in our room.
2: Um, very it, familiar.
0: <laughs> wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. But, uh, that was, uh, something else. I, I, I think the, the most intriguing, at least to me, experience that I had, uh, during meditation, um, was last year, almost a year ago, last uh, February. Mm. And, uh, I typically do my meditation at night. I didn't do it the night before. And I think this was like the first time I never, I didn't do it at night. And I said, I'm just going to do it in the morning. So I'm laying in the bed probably about seven, eight in the morning. I get up and my wife is still asleep. I get up to go in my closet to do my meditation. And so I lay on my back on the floor on my back when I do it. And I have a pillow in there. I don't know something, the pillow wasn't in there. So I come out of the closet and when I came out, my wife was awake. And But but before I came out, the spirit spoke and said, you're about to go to uh, Utah. I was like, what?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Say> what? Utah? <laughs> hey, what's in Utah? Right. And why am I going? Right. <laughs> and so uh, I said, I was just like, what in the world? So then I came to go out get
2: and, five more wives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, but uh so I came out and then like my wife said, She said, Where are you going? And I know she just saw me come out of the closet. Utah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to her, I said, I don't know, we'll see. You know? So then I, I get I find a pillow and I went back in there. So then I start my meditation and I'm doing the gateway meditation. It's a uh, it's a guided meditation with uh uh Robert uh Monroe's voice on there. And then, so I'm about into it 15, 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden I have this out-of-body experience and I'm at a lake Hmm. and there are trees around and it's winter time, snow everywhere. And the, uh, the, uh, you know, the snow is falling and the, the, uh, the, the pond or the lake isn't quite frozen. And then, I look a little further in front of me, standing at the edge of the water, I see this guy. Uh, he's he's naked and he is crying and it's at times hollering out. He's in much distress. And then, you know, me being the type of person I am, you know, I, I went over to him and I started to communicate with him. Now, I I didn't have a body. But I was communicating him and I saw him and then I'm asking him what's wrong. We had this communication and he says, I'm going to kill myself. I don't know how to swim. I'm going to jump in this this cold water. This is it. I'm tired of this. It's not going to happen anymore. I'm just going to end it all. And. I said, no, man, you can't do that. I said, do you believe in God, man? You have a purpose. And I'm trying to talk him down and talk him out of it. And then I did the most unique thing. I was able to transfer my energy to his body to keep him warm. It just like came to me to do it, right? And that's what I did. Don't know how I did it, but I just, and so that helped him uh, obviously be be, be warm a bit. and, And it also helped calm him down. And again, this 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 uh, meditation is playing, and I didn't hear hear that, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just thought to myself, I need to get in contact with the authorities. I need a phone. I said, Where's your phone? You have to have a phone. And then I was able to locate his phone, so I called the police and I told them what's going on. And I don't from his body. Yeah, and I don't remember literally using the phone, but I remember. I remember knowing that I need to contact the police, and I know, and I, I know I did it. I guess that's the best way for me to explain. You were
2: the angel in this situation.
0: Yes, yes, mm-hmm. I was, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, so I'm calming him down. I finally talked him out of not wanting to commit suicide by jumping in the in the water, and um, so all of a sudden I hear. Uh, Monroe's voice from the meditation, and then, because the way the meditation works, it's about forty five minutes. He talks for the first five, maybe ten minutes, and then you hear the 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 meditation music, the binaural beats, the hemi and then he comes back on at the end. So that I remember hearing his voice, and then I panicked a bit. I said, "Oh my goodness, this uh, I'm about to this med this this uh, meditation music is going to go off, and I, I'm going to leave because I know I was going to come back in my body." and i was like but i was worried because the police hadn't made it there yet and so i'm like oh my goodness i was like man i hope i how can i stay with this guy until till authorities arrive so i just had to, i had to know that he was going to be okay and i knew once the police got there he would be okay so this meditation music is winding down and it's right near the end but then i literally saw the police and heard the the sirens it was like three or four cops cars and then I said, Oh, thank God. I know I can now I can go, you know. Mm-hmm. So meditation ended, man. I walked out the closet. My wife was like, what? And I told her everything that happened. It was like the most uh, amazing experience. Mm-hmm.
1: And, of course, the cops would get there in time because that's how God works. He's like, oh, you don't right. have to worry. You're, I'm not going to take you away. You know, Right. You'll be when right. You were
2: needed at that exact time, at that exact place, and yeah. you literally were the angel in that moment for someone, somewhere, whether it seemed real or not.
0: Yeah. And then my wife. Now, my wife has, some, has gifts as well, and I'll get into her gifts as well as mine in, in a bit. But I told my wife about the experience, and she said, you're going to meet that guy one day. 2 weeks later a friend of mine introduced me to this guy.
1: No way
0: he said hey he said Justin I I know this guy. I'm getting the chills big time.
2: <laughs> Does he live in Utah? I just have to know.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So so my friend said I ha- I know this guy. I met this guy. He um uh, he uh is he's having some issues in life and um, I, I want you two to connect. I want you to be a mentor to him. And this is uh, a very good friend of mine, guy I've known for over 20 years. He's like a literally like a brother to me, and he's mm-hmm. he's an angel himself, man. He's he's amazing, and uh, actually somebody I look up to and trust. So, um, so of course I say, yeah, that's that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to here to serve, here to help people, right? So me and the guy we we get on uh, Zoom, we do a Zoom chat. And I saw him. And then I just jumped back like that as soon as I saw him. And the spirit spoke and said, yes, that's him.
1: Did he react to you?
0: reaction? No, he didn't. And I didn't. And I think he just thought I was a little weird. <laughs> yeah, because he had no idea what you looked like.
2: Exactly, exactly. And when he was in the state he was in, there's no way he would remember who yeah. came to help him. That's just, right. you know, it's not something you remember. I don't remember what my angel looked like, but I know that someone was there and did something for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I'm looking, I'm just like, my goodness. And and we start talking. I don't even remember what we were talking. We, I don't even really remember our first conversation because I was just in like awe. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say anything to him. I was like, man, this guy's going to think I'm crazy or something because I didn't know him, you know. But I was you know, I began to be a mentor, mentor to him and we, we would connect via Zoom a few times a week and he would, I would kind of, uh, you know, uh, walk him through some different scenarios based off things he's experienced in his life. And he was telling me that um, you know, he he had had a, a child about a year ago his child was about 1 and then his, the child's mother also had another child who uh he took under his wing and became a dad too and uh they they had recently separated she had uh she had kicked him out of the house and he became he became homeless right and he was living in his van and and what not and he was sorely missing his kids unfortunately and um so my friend who who linked us up, he told the guy like three weeks later after he and I met, he's like, uh, I think Justin met you before, man. Um, so Justin, he meditates and he's had these out-of-body experiences and he was told that he was going to Utah. So he went to Utah and at a lake and he believes that was you he saw at the lake. And he didn't tell me, my friend didn't tell me he had told, told the guy that, right? Mm-hmm. So... Next time he and I spoke, he says, hey, so um, I hear that you, we may have met before at some point. I was like, oh, he told him, you know, and I (laughs) I told him everything. He was like, you know what, Justin, Uh, my, my, my kid's mother and and both of us, we were in Texas because that's where he's from. And we did a a cross country drive to Washington state. That's where they move up there. He's like, and he said, that's where they, uh, on the, on the way they stopped in Utah. And he had a moment at a lake where he was uh, very frustrated and wanted to end it all.
1: Wow, I'm getting the full-on chills. I don't get the the chills like
0: this, and I've got it three times during that story. Wow.
2: That is the kind of work I want to do.
0: That is Take exact- me to
2: Utah any day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what he told me. Wow. And he and I have this amazing uh friendship, amazing bond and bond and he he knows it as as well as I do cuz he is uh he, he he definitely is is of the spirit too and wow. um uh, again when I met him he was homeless cuz his his girl had kicked him out and uh he he wasn't working and he had developed a, a illness from from pretty much living in the out of his van and in the woods and scavenging for food and things like that. But um, I, I've stayed right there with him over the past year now, helping him, um, supporting him, speaking life into him, um, wow. teaching him, helping him grow. And uh, I thank God now that he has his own place. He's had his own place now for about five or six months. Um, he's working, he works, actually works two jobs. He's healthy again. He you was know, really, uh, battled depression, which he still, he still, you know, ha- has his, his moments, but, um, his, his life is truly on the up and up. And, uh, he, he's, he's now in the light and his life is so much better. He, he, his girl would not let him be around his kids or see his kids. And, uh, he's finally able to be with the kids. Uh, what is this? January? I think he has been with them. He gets them every weekend now, and this has been since maybe September, October. So, mm. and that that brings him the most joy. He just he loves those kids. So, again, I just thank the father that I'm able to to be a part of the experience, man.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll t- I'll tell you because I mean, for him to hear that that somebody that he just met, like possibly. Uh, You know, I'm just throwing this out there to you, and then he hears that. That must be so mind-bending and, like, wow. Like, that was real. And not only was it real, but it was a human. And not only was it a human, but it was this man that I met a few weeks later over a Zoom call. Like, the, the amount of the disclosure that God revealed to him that God is real yep. it, and the spirit is real – that is just like okay, I'm on my knees. Whatever you want me to do. <laughs> you said it,
0: brother. You said it. It's wow. And that's the that's the feeling, man. That that's what it is. And and then now he is is at the point where he um uh, is is discovering his truth and his purpose. And uh, he he's going to do some great things. And not only that, he is going to help a lot of people. Yeah. Going to help a lot of people that had or have similar experiences as his and. Uh, That that would be his way of uh, having a not only having an amazing testimony, but but paying it forward with with love, man. That's what it's all about. Right. Just just love that unconditional love for for humanity, you know, for for people that that are deserving of love and help. You know, I I really believe not everyone is is deserving of Mm -hmm. of, of help, you know, but, uh, you know, there, there are a lot. A lot of people are. That that that's for sure. Yeah. So.
1: yeah, and you judge a tree by its fruits, right? And you said some things in here that I have a lot of Christians listen to this that they they may be like, wait a second, you're talking about crystals, you're talking about uh, little idols of archangels, you're talking about Metatron, and then we have this story, and mm-hmm. you judge a tree by its fruits. Uh, and I say it all the time that it is there are energies behind words and words are just they're kind of meaningless really you yeah. know it, it's the energy behind it it's, there's so many synonyms there's the first thing i ever saw in a psychedelic trip was that we have too many words and yet not enough our words are, are synonyms but they're not exact enough to be different words you know yeah. if we're going to have actually different words we need to have them actually to describe something very intimately otherwise it's there's no reason to have other words so uh, yeah so when when people you know they're questioning like oh, uh, should i not trust this should, you know is is this somebody who's practicing new age occult things and then you tell a story like this it's like okay well that doesn't sound uh like a, anything bad and it sounds like this guy is very intelligent and logical and that he's had some very traumatic experiences it doesn't sound like you're some crazy guy who or someone who is doing wild things in order to induce these things you're giving yourself to entities you know this is one of the most beautiful stories i've ever told or ever heard i'm sorry like i said when you told the story I got the chills three separate times. I don't really get the chills, no, honestly. I, she gets the chills May all the and time. I got them. <laughs> I, yeah, I got it three separate times during that story. So, you know, yeah. it's it's really incredible. So I I wanna go to your ayahuasca experience because yes. you talk about how you were shown and told spiritual warfare is real. And before we get into that, I just want to say ever since I saw that being that tree like being what has been going on in me and this is what happens with me when you know this is what remote viewing does for anyone out there what we were talking about earlier is i have i connected with that thing through your memory and maybe it's not that exact one but there's other ones and they are uh, being hunted down and i feel this in my head and i see it that it's god is very much larger than them but they're pretending to be trees And God has like this fire that he's burning through the woods and they're realizing that the trees ain't burning and they are all running and that they're getting split in half. And this is all happening to me while I'm also listening to you. So this is the type of stuff that the spiritual warfare that I deal with on a regular basis that I never reveal to anybody. I'm only revealing it to you because, you know, I feel that you are someone who very much understands it. So I want to get into your spiritual warfare uh uh you know intro
0: yeah yes and and that was beautifully said man it's a lot of truth in in what you just said there thank you for sharing that Mm. um yeah so uh april of of last year 21 i uh i had ayahuasca experience where i uh went to tucson i located an organization that is headed by a shaman and uh, I, I traveled uh, from the Phoenix area to Tucson, few few hour drive, and uh, it was three nights. It was uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. And uh, if any, anyone knows uh, a little bit about ayahuasca, you know that, you know you just can't go and do ayahuasca, right? You have to prep your body for it. You know you have to eat very clean, and you have to. It's best to refrain from any type of alcohol. If people smoke, you, know, you shouldn't smoke. You want your temple to be.
1: You'll be purging uh, that up right away, and it'll just be a real waste.
0: Exactly, exactly. Well said. Well said. Uh, but it had been on my heart for for several months prior to to have to have a psychedelic experience, to have an ayahuasca experience. So um, that that's what I believe, what's what I know that the that the spirit uh, wanted me to experience. So um, <clears throat> now, what I began doing in 2020 uh, was intermittent fasting, and uh, that that was very uh that was a tool i should say that was very helpful to me with my spiritual growth and I'm uh
1: right here with you
0: yeah yeah it's, it's 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 been amazing it's been amazing and um so april 21 i remember i uh you know i signed up for it and i got on the road uh i stopped to eat and um so I, was just, I just ate in my car real quick because I wanted to be, you know, at the hotel because I stayed in a hotel during the day. And then we went to the uh, the ceremony site at about uh, seven o'clock at night. But I was eating in my car and the spirit spoke. And this is at 12 o'clock. Remember seeing the time the spirit spoke and said, this will be your last meal until Monday morning or the last thing you eat, period, until Monday morning. Mm. So I actually, I fasted completely for the, for the next three days. And, you know, my body was primed for it. Cause at that mm-hmm. point I had been doing intermittent fasting up for it, a year, yeah. but when the spirit spoke, I said, oh, I was like, oh man, come on, really? <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, come on, man. I've never done that before. You know, yeah. I just don't have anything to eat, but you know, I have to be obedient to the spirit. Yeah. And I took some spiritual books with me and I told my wife, I said, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'll call you or I, no, I said, I'll text you when I arrive and I'll call you Monday morning. But besides that, I said, I'm, I'm shutting myself off from the world. Um, I, I took, you know, like I said, a couple of spiritual books, um, you know, shut my phone off. Didn't look at any TV. All I strictly did at the hotel when I was not at the ceremony was read my books and pray and meditate. I just wanted to really go deep with this. So I arrived Friday night to the to the ceremony. So I arrived in Tucson, I don't know, two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Kinda of chilled for a bit. Went to the to the to the ceremony grounds, which was just in the desert. We were outside in the desert. And uh I pulled in this long, winding, bumpy road. I mean literally right out of a movie, man. It was insane. And you drove about a good mile into this area, and then there's a lady there. She's like the gatekeeper. Flag me down, you know, so I pull up and roll down my window. She's like, hey, how you doing? You here for the ayahuasca ceremony? I said, yes, ma'am. Uh, what's your name? Okay, Justin Williams. She gave me directions from there. She said, okay, go here, go down there, turn left, turn right, turn left. And then you'll see a bunch of cars over on the right and can park by the car. So that was another probably mile drive through that area, maybe half a mile. So I park, get my sleeping bag bag walk over to the ceremony I see all these people so it was a shaman his crew and about 25 to 30 other people now the ceremony didn't start until midnight so up in from about seven eight o'clock everybody was just conversating getting to know each other sharing different experiences etc and then right around 11 15 11 30 uh, one of the crew members in the shaman's crew he went around and saged everyone and uh anything they, and they all the newbies they bought to the center because we were we were in a circle a big circle with our sleeping bags huge circle you know so in the center of the circle we called up all the newbies and just kind of broke everything down to them told them what it was going to be like what to expect so we went back to our sleeping bags and uh and they they passed around a pipe of this tobacco, so each type of tobacco, everybody took a took a hit. You didn't inhale; you just took a hit and passed it on, which was probably a horrible thing to do considering COVID. But we we mm. did it. Um, and then they so, off evil and, spirits, right? Yes, yes, this yeah the saging and the the tobacco yeah. Uh, that yeah to ward off all the evil negative entities and spirits. Absolutely, they passed around this menthol water. And you it was in a mason jar, you scoop it up with a, this big spoon and then you snort it into your nostrils. So you hold one nostril and then do the mm-hmm. other. Okay. You know, and that was to clear your to make sure your, your nasal passages are clear because once you um you want to be able to breathe with no no issues once you start yeah experiencing the ayahuasca. So the the shaman he had this beautiful altar set up, man, where he had all these jars and Bottles of uh, ayahuasca, these huge uh, crystals. I mean, it was so many crystals. Crystals that some were probably two, three feet tall, and it was just this huge altar of it, man. And so, newbies go first, you know. So, right right after midnight, they call the newbies up, and uh, you know, I went up, you know, stood in line, and uh, you know, I think I was like fourth or fifth in line, so. I go up there and, uh, you know, when it was my turn and then I, he handed me, We had a few words. How you doing? I had met him previously. How you doing, Justin? How you feel? And then so he did, he poured the the ayahuasca, he mixed it and uh, he handed it to me and I took it. I held it in both hands, said a little prayer to the head. Okay, so go back to my sleeping bag. I'm like, okay, 10 minutes. I don't feel anything. 15 minutes, I don't feel anything. I had to use the bathroom. We had a couple of porta-potties out there. So I go use the bathroom. Come back to my sleeping bag because it's cold out there, man, under in the desert under those stars, man. And probably about 30, 45 minutes in, I'm laying on my back looking up at the stars. Stars start, they start to dance. The stars are dancing. I'm like, wow, okay. This stuff must have just kicked in. <laughs> 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 it was crazy. And not only did they start dancing, but they they were, like, so close to me. Mm-hmm. And I could see every star in the sky, Todd, every single one. And they were, like, so much closer than normal. But I could see every star. It was just so beautiful.
1: Now, at this point, you're used to the out-of-body out stuff a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, you, so you were probably – Going out towards them, uh looking back on them, maybe yeah,
0: I never thought of that, but wow, that is yes, that is probably what happened, man, <laughs> I never thought of that, how about that,
1: huh, you like left the firmament and you went to the the first layer of heaven, or maybe yeah. I don't know what layer, but that yeah. you went out there,
0: yes, I never thought about that, man, but i I believe you're I believe you're right, I believe you're right 'cause they were so close, man, I mean, I'd probably say. Thinking about a football field, 100 yards, but I think maybe three football fields, maybe about 300 yards, man, yeah. 300, 400 yards. They were so mm. close. And uh, then I, I heard something say, control them. I said, I thought of myself, control them. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. So then I literally was able to control the stars, man,
1: mm. making
0: them dance and sync. I'm thinking to myself or communicating with them, saying go left, go right cross, and they were doing all this stuff. Toasty dough. Right, right, right. I <laughs> drop a loaf. No, just <laughs> <laughs> but they were dancing, man. So it was a wild experience. And then I said, okay, and I was just kind of giggling to myself, you know, like, wow, that is something else. So I'm laying there and I start hearing these voices. And I could always hear these voices of people to the right of me and to the left of me. But then it was like these voices were being thrown, right? These people that I heard to the right of me, I now hear their voices on the left and vice mm-hmm. versa. And then I even heard some of the voices in front of me. Now, at some point, you know, people were still going up after the newbies went and, you know, it was just like open bar. You just go up there as many times as you want. Like people, a lot of people were up walking around, talking to other people, the entire night, for three nights straight, I stayed to myself on my back, either my, uh, in, in my sleeping bag, either with my, looking up at the stars or with the sleeping bag over my head. Mm. So, I heard these guys to the right of me, and I remember this guy's name was Ronnie. Ronnie, I learned, come to learn as far, and, and many other people in his little crew, because it's about four or five guys, They were literally possessed Mm. and their spirits could pick up on the light and the kingdom that it was, that is in with me. And they start Mm -hmm. messing with me. Mm. See, they've had numerous ayahuasca experiences. What I come to learn later, I'll tell you about my experience with them after that first night, because they only stayed one night. I did all three, but I come to learn they had many ayahuasca experiences, so They picked up that I was of the light and they started messing with me. And then the spirit spoke, God spoke. And he said that, yes, they are possessed. They are. They have demons in them. Okay. Okay. Then the father took me to. And and this whole time I'm, I'm with God, like I am literally with God. I always tell people I walk with God for three nights in the desert he took me to this place. It was an underworld. And I remember it looking like a, like a, like a New York subway, a uh, subway station underground. And when I first got there, I heard this moaning, this crying, this darkness, this grief. It was not, it was just so low, so negative, so low vibration. Hmm. And then the father spoke and said, this is where people go who, who who hurt, who don't know how to forgive, who don't know how to move forward, those who do not seek me, and those who want to do things their way. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that's like after death, or even if that's where people, part of the people's spirits are, why they're still alive.
1: I'm um, getting, uh, I got a yes, a big yes when you said after death, and after I got death. A
0: yes. Okay, so after, okay, okay. Okay, so I was there for like I don't know maybe like not even five minutes. I didn't like that place. I was like I'm gonna go. So we left. I started to hear more and more voices. I literally hear these guys like like in my like in my ear like this microphone like if this is me and I'm them they're like this close to me, mm-hmm. saying all types of crazy foul disgusting stuff like f you this that and the next all type of stuff and i i hear these these women having what sounds like sex and orgasms and all this did other stuff did you
1: feel like, that this was happening like right next to you externally or did you understand this was all happening in the spirit uh, in the spirit realm not the physical realm
0: in the spirit realm absolutely in but, the spirit So realm. you
1: understood it at at that time you didn't um, like look over to see
0: no i, I did not I did not okay. look overseas because it was it was um I mean I wasn't I was I don't want to say I was scared but it was just it was a new experience and I was just right. taking it all in so I just okay. had the sleeping bag over I was just I was I was like observing if if okay. that was the biggest thing to see the, right. you know okay. if I could say but I tell you what when I paid that stuff attention it was crazy and it was just insane. But then when I focused in on God, I just had so much peace.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I had so much peace. And I always tell people was like, I was in the eye of the storm, right? Where there's all this chaos and confusion going on around me. And as long as I'm paying it, paying attention to it and buying into it. And, you know, you know, and especially like when you hear those women, those sounds, you know, being, being a man, you know, you, I'm, I'm listening and, I'm like, okay, you know, I don't want to, you know, pay that too much attention. But it was almost like a t like I was being tempted, you mm-hmm. know. But I had to but every time I would I would experience that. But then when I focused back in the father, on the father, that is when he was speaking with me and communicating with me. And I could hear him clearly when I was blocking that all, when I was blocking that stuff out. And then he talked to me, he told me. That it's spiritual warfare going on. He made that very clear, and I heard it clear as day. He said there's spiritual warfare going on in the spiritual realm as well as on earth. He wanted me to be very aware of that. He told me that several times. Like that was my main takeaway from night one that it is spiritual warfare going on, and he made that extremely, extremely clear. Okay, now. Every so often, um, I'd say like once an hour, the shaman's crew would get up and do this music. And I'll tell you guys what, this was the most beautiful music I've ever heard. They had these drums and these other instruments and they would go around. I think it's some, maybe some music that, because that that guy, he, he travels to Peru a lot. And he he has a, a mentor in Peru that he's been working with for years. So I know this guy has taught him all this other stuff. But the music was talking to me. And. That first night was especially hard and it was very hard, you know, but that first night was was especially hard because it was new to me. I didn't know what to expect. And it took so much energy For me, and it took a lot out of me to stay focused in on the father. It was not easy and allow him just to guide me through it all. But when they start playing that music, that music was speaking to me. And the way I describe it is like the music was saying, you're in a heavyweight fight and you're pounding and you're pounding and it's the 10th, 12th round, but you won. You're the victor. It just went, this music told this beautiful story to me, man, and I hope I'm explaining that. Well, but yeah, you are. It was was just it, you know, and the music just spoke to my heart. And um, so that was that was the main thing for night one, just uh, spiritual warfare. I I, I, oh, and this this guy named Cody, who, who was actually a part of the shaman's crew. They passed around basil water and he came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder. So I pulled my my sleeping bag from over my head. He said, justin would you like some basil water it really helps and goes well with the ayahuasca i looked at him and i saw a demon i saw it in his face and i said no thank you and he <laughs> and he got and he got so pissed right he got so pissed like you know because i i heard him and it was like again i had this superhuman hearing i heard him go back over there to those guys who he was with as this ronnie guy and his little crew and he said, "Yeah, I went to go ask that guy Justin over there if he wanted some basil water. And he looked at me like I was crazy, and he, they just start laughing and cussing and all like this and all this other stuff. And again, during ayahuasca, and you know, Todd, people puke and they throw up, so we had this bucket. I never puke, man. Not yeah, I didn't time. puke when I did it either. You didn't, yeah. See, see, I didn't puke one time, man. And so, fast forward to seven, eight o'clock in the morning, and and those guys were messing with me like all night. By the way, like the all humans. Night. Yes, they they were able to like come through to me with their spirits, and they were messing with me all night, all night. Mm -hmm. And then it it was some people to the left of me as well. They were like young; they're like in their twenties, and they had done ayahuasca several times. Like these people know how to communicate with each other in the Mm -hmm. yeah in the spiritual realm without talking. Mm -hmm. But and I but I was I was picking up on everything. It was almost, and I remember thinking. While I was there and under, you know, doing the ayahuasca, it was like the, the I was describing it to myself it was like, wow, I'm like an operator tapping in on a line. That's exactly yeah. what it was like. And these people were not talking, but I heard their conversations clear as day. It was amazing.
1: Well, I'll tell you what I'm picking up on is that you are – And the implications of this, I don't know. The the implications are always hard to handle, but what I'm picking up on is that you are so connected to the spirit that God has given you, granted you uh, authority over a certain area, and they were in your territory. Mm. And that's why you could pick up on it because they were – Essentially, they were using you to talk to each other. That they were using your spirit in order wow. to to do it, and you didn't even know that. So
2: you were the operator. Yeah, you were wow. operating the
1: whole thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. But yeah, I remember it came. It, I was like, wow, it's like I'm an operator because he's got these people. I mean, there were a few times where I would, you know, pull the bag out and, and kind of look around, and then, and this was probably you know several hours into it, right, on that first night. Then I would pull, and then cause I was hearing things and I would look to my left, look to my, like people are chilling mm-hmm. They're They weren't talking, man. And I, so it was, it was just, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, wow. And, um, yeah, so that, that was the, that was the first night. And, uh, the second night, uh, it was, it was all about love. My, my lesson, the second night was love and how we are all connected. We are all one. And the father really, uh, He showed me um, my children in the future uh, in regards to what what they would become, what they would be like. Wow. Yeah. And. uh, I had this vision twice. Popped in my head and I see it now clear as day and I will never forget this where It was my face, and I had on this, like, African garb. I was a king. I had the crown on. It wasn't like a normal, typical, like, Burger King-type crown. It was this different crown and this African garb. And I was a king, and then someone announced me, right? And then a few minutes later, that flashed again. And I still don't know what that's all about or what that means, but, uh, but, but that's what I saw. It was just like a quick flash for, like, four seconds. Then it went away. And then the second time, it was me and my wife, and we both were dressed in this African queen, king and queen garb mm. clothes. And then that flashed, and somebody were like, we were announcing us, and then it, it went away. But uh, the father definitely told me that we are all connected. Love is the most important thing. He told me to look up in the sky, and as I was looking up in the sky, he said, Notice how, when the rain falls, it hits the leaves of the trees, falls to the ground, and then the the roots of the trees soak it back up to feed themselves. Notice how the birds fly in the air freely. He said, that is love. Notice how your brother, how your sister connect with each other, meaning humanity. He said, "That that is love. Man, that next morning, I got in my car to go back to the hotel. I'm in the car. I just broke down crying, man. I was just so overwhelmed with love. I start like caressing, patting my car, telling my car, I love you. (laughs) I love you. I just had to I had to, uh, you know, uh, just just express myself. But I forgot to tell you about after night one. uh, So that was Friday night going into Saturday morning, Ronnie and his little crew. Like the the shaman did their thing, and after they let it, after they broke and let everybody leave, this guy Ronnie comes up to me like immediately. I saw him out the corner of my eye, so I turned around. He's like, "Hey, what's up, man? I'm Ronnie. How you doing?" I'm like, "Hey, I'm Justin." He's like, "How many times have you have you done um done ayahuasca?" I was like, "It's my first time, man." And he couldn't believe he. I think he thought I was lying. He's like, "No way, man." I was like, "No, seriously, this is the first time I, I've done it." And that that was my confirmation. That's probably why he, he never came back. <laughs> <laughs> that was my confirmation in regards to everything that was revealed to me that night about them with being demons and had being possessed, yeah. right? Because he knows he was trying to mess with me and I didn't. Yeah. He couldn't break me. They tried to break me all night, man.
2: Yeah, all man.
0: night. And like, I don't know. you why, why am I the first person you're coming to as soon as everybody breaks up? And then yeah. his whole little crew came over there and you know i talked with them for a minute was just but that was that was just that was confirmation for me
1: yeah it's super interesting you know there's there's people who do psychedelics uh in group settings often Mm -hmm. then there's people who do them for like a a ceremonious thing a a ritualistic type of deal that you're talking about you know when so i did mine i did a bunch of I did everything. I've tried all of them except for ayahuasca It was the only one I didn't try. But I did them all by myself, and I would fast that day, the entire the 24 hours or 22 hours or so at least before I did it. I would listen to music about God. I would do a lot of beautiful things in order to get to where I was. And It's funny, when I did ayahuasca, uh, I made it myself, you know, I, I got the ingredients, I, I made it myself, and the only thing that I got doing it two nights, I did two uh, decent-sized cups two nights in a row, and the only thing that I picked up was, you'll find what you're looking for through Father psilocybin, that, that ayahuasca is not for you, and that, so I worked my way up to, to mushrooms, and once oh. I did mushrooms, that was, I was reborn, and I experienced yes. so many different things, but this, the demon stuff, it's greatly important that people recognize that someone who's doing ayahuasca or any psychedelic a bunch of times, it's you're feeding something else that it's, you can get what you need out of one experience. You know? Right. right. I, and I know that I had demons in me. I've, I didn't know it really at the time. And I would have denied it at the time and been like, no way. But now looking back on it, so I was not only listening to good, healthy stuff, but towards the end, I would put on Travis Scott because at that time I was listening to Travis Scott and his music is multi-dimensional And it's like this whole, I mean, it's a whole thing. Every song, it's mm-hmm. like three minutes long, but it feels like hours, like you're wow. going on roller coasters. And then the last time I did Psychedelics when I was up in uh, near Philly, the last time I did it, what happened was i was given a choice there was my eyes just went completely i was not here and there was half was blue the left half was blue the right half was black and it was like i could choose the kanye album jesus is king or i could choose travis scott's album and what ended up happening to make that happen was i got very scared by the travis scott music i was listening to i was like he is not human He is something not from God. He is not from here. And it scared the bejesus out of me that I had to put on Jesus as king again. And then after or during, I guess, that's when I was given the choice and I picked uh, Jesus as king. And so then after that, I never listened to Travis Scott or Eminem, Lil Wayne, Meek Mill. I never listened to any of that anymore because it was very clear to me, like, this is – spiritual warfare and you can choose this route or you can choose this route and you know it's funny i went on a psychedelic round table uh not too long ago three days before the astroworld concert and i told everybody on there i uh and somebody who facilitates ayahuasca uh retreats he was projecting towards me the entire time saying that because i said the lsd made me feel alien and he said Something that oh it's probably because in my subconscious I knew the CIA was doing MK Ultra with it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I said I felt alien in my body. I didn't say anything about CIA, right. MK Ultra, none of that. <laughs> and then he start, he started attacking me for wearing my Jesus gear. And I was like, there's something with this guy. And what you just told me is people doing this often. You know, they you know how
2: to mess with you.
1: Yeah, they are. Mm not in full control you know it's right it's a very dangerous game to play
0: it is it is and and you know that story reminds me of something that uh someone told me uh probably about three or four months ago uh, this this lady that i've known for um probably a solid year and a half two years now uh she's a very spiritual woman she is definitely a delight uh beautiful person beautiful spirit about herself and she's done ayahuasca as well. It's been several years. She's done it in, I think Peru or Brazil. And, uh, she, uh, she told me, she said, uh, we were having a conversation and she, she knows about my ayahuasca experience, obviously. And she said, uh, the spirit spoke to her and said that you have to be very careful with ayahuasca. And I take it to be other psychedelics as well, but specifically ayahuasca, that there are these dark entities or energies that, people when people do it especially you know people doing it for the first time but there are these dark negative energies and entities that are disguising themselves as being of the light yeah like they have crossed over into the the plant because the plant itself is life right and the plant itself has a certain energy mm-hmm. and i do believe that that the, the, the energy started off as the light to be a tool and to be a help to people. But we're in such dark, chaotic and confusing days now that these dark energies are just manipulating and um, impregnating themselves into other areas where you typically find light and typically find the way. So mm-hmm. I just say that to, to, to tell people just to be very careful. You know, yeah. just to be very, very careful when, when doing psychedelics, specifically ayahuasca, because that's what I know know about myself. Um, right. Everything glitters isn't gold, as they say. You know, so yeah. just be very careful. As you've said several times throughout our conversation, you know, you just just be careful, you know, because you, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you are opening yourself up to these demonic attacks from these negative, dark energies, you know.
1: Yeah, so, it's what I and it's crazy the what we're actually how we feed our demons and I've been doing a lot of different things that uh, parasites are the physical representation of demons and I just listened to your episode today with Niche uh, was episode 50 the human condition 2.0 and she's talking about you know they're they're implanting larvae. And they mm-hmm. they come in through being parasites. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they definitely do. And what I learned a, a few weeks ago, not very long ago, so I'd switched THC for Delta-8 some time ago, and I was recommending it to people, you know, like, go ahead, switch over. And what I realized getting off of that, so I was, like, weaning myself down, and then the last day I did it, like, I was in a bad mood, And then I went and smoked a little bit and it made me feel great. And then all of a sudden I could hear the energy that I was feeding, that it was connecting to God Mm. through me getting high. Mm. And God revealed to me, he's like, yeah, when you smoke weed, guess what? That ain't for your benefit. You are allowing your demons to then feel what it's like to feel God. It's you're not like, yeah, you're getting so high. You have so much consciousness in you that it just goes out into everything. And if your vessel isn't clean, you are feeding them and they you are making them stronger. And I mean, it's it's a place that I'm in. I'm like, well, I know it can be very helpful. Cannabis. I know psychedelics can be very helpful. But if you aren't clean
2: yeah. then you
1: are feeding that's how they feel life essence they're disconnected from god and they feel connected to god through us being extra connected to
0: god wow that's deep man that is yeah. deep that is something else yeah that dark energy is definitely running rampant um I feel like more and more every day and i mean you just see what's going on in the world today right with all the mm-hmm. crazy chaoticness that the world has been experiencing specifically over the last two years, I, I really believe that uh, the re- one of the reasons that we're seeing it more and more is because of the great awakening that's been going on, right? It's, yes. it's been this awakening going on of individuals. The father has always had his army in place, but now he's saying, okay, we're going to line up. You go here, you go here, you guys wake up, let's do this. And, and they know, you know, the darkness knows and mm-hmm. they're scared, man. That that fear, <laughs> I say fear is a mofo, man. It's, it's crazy. And oh yeah. I, I thank God that I've been able to learn how to deal with fear. That, that's been another part of my journey, right? Because I had a lot of fear of my father growing up for many years and fear has always controlled me. Uh, but I have now learned how to control fear. And one thing that I learned is that fear is is a bully and fear actually yes. fears itself fear fears not being able to make you fear anymore that's its biggest yeah. fear you know and then once i learned that you know that was that changed my life um now i did go skydiving in 2020 as well something i never wow. said i would never do right you tell oh, me, you can go up in an airplane, 20,000 feet, and jump? Yeah, right. Justin Dude. Williams is not doing it. Not
1: <laughs> <at>. <laughs> I, I went up on a roof and put uh, Christmas uh, hung Christmas lights, and I'm terrified of of heights. But I had to conquer my fear. That, you know, that's as far as I'm. Go. I'm not jumping out of an airplane, not yet, anyway.
0: Yeah, man, and that's that's how I was, man. Like, I'm not doing it, but you know, the spirit wow. spoke and said, "You need to do this." And I, I, I man, I said no. I'm not, I, You know, I, I try my best to be obedient to the spirit. But it, with that one, I said, no, nah, uh, you know, give me something else, you know, <laughs> give yeah. me something else. But it, it kept pushing me. It, kept, it just stayed on my heart. Then I, I just went ahead and signed up and I paid my money. And I, I knew hey, after I dropped that money down, I said, OK, well, I have to do it. I have to do it. And that week leading up to my jump was one of the was so probably one of the Nerve most challenging weeks. Yes. Of my life. <laughs> wow. Like literally. Literally, and I remember laying in the bed, because uh, it, it was a Saturday morning, I was laying in the bed, I went to bed Friday night, uh, probably like at four in the morning, or no, it was, it was like around five in the morning, my wife got up to use the bathroom, and I'm a, I'm a light sleeper, so I woke up, and I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, I'm about to jump out of plane in about five hours. <laughs> you know, my wife, she wasn't, she wasn't with it either, she's she kind of freaking out a bit. Spirit spoke and said, look at the clock. What time is it? Tell me what time it is. And I, you know, I forget. It's 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 in my book, but I forgot the exact time. I think it was like five fifty-five or five <laughs> something like that. And then the spirit spoke and said, "Look that number up." I looked it up, and the meaning of that number was "Fear not, you, Ooh. I am in control." Or, you know, something to that effect. But it was the, the meat meat potatoes of it was "Fear not." And when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, I'm good." That really did a lot for me. And I remember going to the To the airport where the area where where we did it, and um, there's this guy there. This was crazy to me, right? There's this guy there. My wife went with me, she didn't jump, but my wife went with me. Like, my schedule jump was like at eight in the morning, I didn't wind up jumping until like 10, 11 o'clock. It was like a three hour wait, they were so busy. But there's this guy there, we start talking, and he told me he was a former military. He, this guy was probably late 20s, but he, he and I connected, right? We we like connected and never asked him his name or anything like that. But talking to him, it helped me relax and calm my nerves because it's this great vibe. You know, my wife is right here. We're all just talking. this really cool conversations about any and everything. So he's waiting. I'm waiting. We're talking for hours, and then the people, they call—they were calling people's name when it was their turn to come put on the, the equipment, you know, the, the, the parachute and whatnot, the backpack. And then they said, Jesse, man, I almost fell out of my seat. That was my dad's name. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: That was my dad's name. And that name.
1: was his name? Yes. Wow. They
0: called Jesse. They called him to come put on his stuff. And after I said that, I, I, I knew that was some type of experience I had because he and I connected. His name was Jesse. He was former military, just like my dad. And talking to him really put me at peace. Wow. You know, so it's something in the works there that wow. that helped me uh, in that moment, you know, but uh, went ahead, went up in the plane, went up. It was like, I don't know, probably close to 10 people in there. We go up, they said, all right, Justin, you ready? I'm like, well, I gotta go first, man. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Justin, man, come on, man. And I said, okay. You gotta lead the way. Yeah, man. And they opened that door, and of course Did you I'm, go
2: by yourself, or were oh, you attached no, to somebody? I was attached to somebody, oh, attached. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. You, you have to, you have to like, take uh, courses to go by yourself, you know, and, mm. and, and, like some type of jump school or something like that. Right, yeah, I'd rather school. be attached. Yeah, I was attached, and they opened up the door, and 20,000 feet up, and I'm just looking out over the world. Oh. Wow! And I'm, I'm like right there, and and, and the go is when he taps me on my shoulder, man. He tapped me on my shoulder, and woo! And I tell wow. you what, the first ten seconds, guys, I'm like just so blissful, and it was weird because it, you know, I knew I was, I knew what I was doing, but then I jumped, but it's like my brain didn't catch up. Until about 10 seconds later. Mid-air. Yeah. But it was like one of the most blissful feelings that I've ever mm. felt in life. When I was, because you, obviously you free fall for so long, right? But that free mm. fall, once my brain caught up to my action, mm. it was just like beautiful. It was like heaven on earth.
1: Wow. And then
0: we, we fell, we free, did a free fall like 20 seconds. He popped the chute open and we just, just glided down to earth for like three or four minutes. And I'll tell you what, I was on this high for. Uh, for many at least two months after that, I always had this fear of bridges. Right when I'm driving mm-hmm. in a car, I see a bridge coming up, my hands start sweating, mm-hmm. I, my heart starts. I don't know racing. anything about that. Oh my <laughs> goodness, it was the worst. I tell you what, that's gone. I don't experience that anymore. After guess
1: she's got to jump out of a plane.
0: Hey, You're
2: gonna sign her up. Push me. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> what's pleasure? Yeah, I was going to say, did you do you have to be the one to jump, or do they just kind of force you out because they're behind you, right?
0: Oh, no, yeah, no. that That's the reason for the tap. That means oh, jump. Oh, for you to jump. Oh. <laughs> yep, yep. Did yep. you have
2: your eyes closed for the first?
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> First no. little bit, I think no. I'd have
2: my eyes closed and miss half of it. Uh-huh. And I had a
0: friend tell me, he said, "Man, hey, go ahead. And judge. He's like, you know, it's, you, nothing's going to, it's like, it's not your time, man. You, you, you're going to yeah. be here for for a while, man. It's so, you know, just, but that helped me with, with learning how to control fear, man. It, yeah. it, I am right
2: now. <laughs> My arms are like, ah. I'm actually <laughs>
1: opening up to the idea because I'm feeling your memory, seeing your memories and experience, and I can feel that you do it again in a heartbeat.
0: Oh, I would. Totally, man. Because yeah. it's a, such an amazing feeling when you hit that, hit the ground when you land. And like I said, I was on this this hot like man between that and the ayahuasca experience, and especially with the ayahuasca experience, because that was just so hard for me. Like, it, like I know in my heart of hearts, there is nothing I cannot do. And I don't say that in, a, in an arrogant or a conceited way, but I say that with the truth and the the Trust power God. and the spirit of, of the father. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's it's just it's just an a, amazing feeling. And, and And I thank God for it all. And, uh, you know, that third night during the ayahuasca experience, that was without doubt the hardest night, because, again, at that point, I had eaten in about three days. I wanted to go home. Um, You know, it it was the longest night, even though it was the same length as the, the other two nights. And I just remember just peeking my head out like, is the sun coming up yet? Is the sun coming up yet? It's still dark. It was still dark. And the father's just continuously speaking to me. And um, I actually communicated with my father. I communicated with my sister who's passed on, the one who we uh, moved in with in Ohio. I communicated with my grandmother as well. And, um, you know, I remember that last time I pulled the the cover from over my eyes. I'm I'm looking up in the uh, actually it was uh, the sun. It just came up, but you could still see the stars. You could mm-hmm. see some stars, and then some you could not see. And the Father spoke to me. He said, "See, I am like the stars. You may not always, you may not be able to see me, but I am always there." You know. Mm-hmm. And it was just, and that just hit my heart. And man, well, uh, life for, forever changed. Forever changed, man.
1: Well, well, my friend, this was an amazing episode. We didn't even get to Enoch and Metatron again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, um yeah, learned about Enoch and uh Metatron in twenty twenty, just to touch on it really fast. Yeah, uh, you know, I and I showed you my, my, my piece before here. Yeah, uh, the cube I wear around around my neck faithfully each and every day. I never take it off except when I shower. Um uh, yeah, uh Metatron has always been with me. Uh learned about Enoch and how you know how you how, you know how, you know, how, you know how that story goes, but I learned that Metatron has always been with me, and I, I began communicating with him uh, in in 2020, and um, I, I love him dearly, and uh, he, he's just been showing me ways, making things happen, working on behalf of behalf of God, um, with me you know manifesting different things in my life, uh, helping me understand different things in my life, helping me create this divine energy within that I'm able to project onto others and out into the world. Hmm. And I learned about my gifts of clairvoyance. Um, I used to, uh, I I learned about that. Then I, I I signed up with this Facebook group. I was doing readings for about three months that that went phenomenal. Um, then the group closed down. So I'm, I'm no longer doing it. Um, I learned that I'm a healer. I have the gift of healing as well. Um, Man, it's just it's just so many things. It's just so many things. And the spirit has just been working in my life. And I just want to work with others and help others. I, you know, me being everything. Do you I do would...
1: any of that coaching or one on one stuff?
0: Well, you know, I, um, last year um, I actually started an organization called Tangelic, uh, you know, but I haven't gotten off the ground yet. That is my goal. That is what I'm going to do this year. That's going to be one of my focus goals to do this year to really get it going. I started it and and part of it, I, and I have it online on, on YouTube where I went around Phoenix and I, I, it was uh, speaking with homeless people and letting their oh, voice wow. be heard and recording it and um, having them tell their story and just showing them love. And, but yeah, the one-on-one coaching is going to be a part of that. So my, my, my huge focus last year in 21 uh, was the podcast, you know, which has mm-hmm. been amazing. It was very challenging. It continues to be a challenge for me, but um, it, it's just really amazing considering my demeanor, everything I went through and me being an introvert, but I was led to start a podcast because I needed to um, further heal, right? I needed to a way for me to express myself because, right. you know, th- this is what God wants for me, you know. And, right. and that's been just such a blessing. i you know, you've had so, some great
1: guests on. Uh, Peter McCullough, I saw RFK Jr., uh, Tommy Kong. Yes. Like I said, Nish, I think that was probably my favorite episode. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. It.
0: Yep, uh Chris Voss is another guy, former FBI agent who uh who who did the uh he worked the uh the nine eleven case as well as the uh I gotta check that one out. Oh some other one. Some oh yeah, well he did the the, the first one, let me correct that. Not not 11 but the first uh the first bombing when they bombed the basement. Oh, okay. he was like he was the lead lead FBI 93. agent. Ninety three. He was the lead FBI guy on that. Um, plus, uh, uh, some well-known, I forget, please forgive me, some well-known hostage situation back in the eighties or nineties overseas as well. So he was the, okay. the former, uh, lead, uh, international FBI, uh, investigator, but, uh, Dr. Christiane Northrup, uh, David Icke, uh, just been very blessed. Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: wow.
0: Yeah. Uh- yeah. So, so, so those like RFK Jr. and David Icke, those, they, they are they are not on YouTube. Um, they are on BitChute. So if people want to check them out, they can go to BitChute because YouTube, you know, you know, yeah. how they do, man. But, uh on your audio. definitely on audio. Everything's on okay. audio though. Yeah, Spotify, Anchor, Google Google uh podcasts and all that good stuff. So.
1: All right. Well, you know what, my friend? I I think that uh we covered the gamut. Oh, I did want to say one thing about Enoch. So, uh it was it's interesting that I feel what Enoch or Metatron as uh you're referred to him as is for you Jesus has been for me you know and and the way I see the world I see my cats are you know us but on a lower dimensional scale and often I see that how I'm treating my boy cat because he's me you know the girl cat is her uh that I'm treating the boy cat I'm like oh I'm what Jesus is for me I am for my cat and Mm -hmm. it's very interesting but so What I'm getting at with Enoch or Metatron for you, Jesus for me, I think, like, I feel like this brotherly connection with you. And I feel like we have lived similar paths that we obviously were meant to meet at the time we have. And I think that we have more work to do together. I'm really getting called on that. But I think I had this idea before, and I just want to run this by you. I think that maybe Enoch was Jesus before he was Jesus. I think Enoch became Metatron and went through different stages, went through different worlds, as we call them, to battlegrounds, training grounds, and became Jesus in order to then come as him. Uh, And I had that idea before because reading the book of Enoch, it's very interesting especially three Enoch which is a Jewish rabbi which he's the one that said oh he he came in contact with Metatron Metatron showed him that he was Enoch so it's not that he was told he was shown that he used to be Enoch but it, it's just in there that what ended up happening was this rabbi was like oh you're God and God was like oh he's God really and sent someone down and started beating Enoch. Beat him uh, like 60 times. Gave him 60 yes. lashings. Right. Uh, which is weird, but it's like, well, if he was God, then he wouldn't have done that to himself. So mm-hmm. God was just like proving a point to this rabbi right. by having that happen. So it, it was just interesting. And he was also, he's the one who sits at the uh, right hand of the throne. And he mm-hmm. he's the, uh, I forget exactly what they call him, but he... Was the newest, the youngest God? So they would call him—I uh, forget the name of it—but uh, they would call him like the youngin, uh, essentially. And but he was more powerful than all the rest. And everyone else that was already up in heaven was angry that God made a human, a lowly human, uh, up to their level. And God said, "He's not at your level. He's above you." <laughs> and I think. You know, that, that's part of the second rebellion after uh, or when Jesus came. I think that was, you know, part of it because Enoch was there for the first rebellion. And then the second rebellion, I think it was with Jesus. And it was like maybe he was coming back to finish or not to finish, but coming back a second time. And, you know, who knows how many times it's actually been. But I, I feel that connection there. It's what do you th- think about that
0: oh man i i I strongly strongly agree man i think that is truth uh everything you Mm -hmm. said in that regard um i I definitely believe that jesus and enoch were possibly are one in the same um Mm -hmm. absolutely at different times throughout throughout the history of earth uh this planet but i also believe that their spirit also lives in certain people and i think their spirit lives in you and i think that same spirit lives in me. Mm. So when we talk about Jesus sitting at the right hand of the father and, and Metatron as well, that also means that you do as well. And Mm. I do as well and certain other people. And that is truth. And that is, that is energy. See, now I have this feeling over my body. So I know that to be true with my heart of hearts. Mm. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and that's, and that's out of love. That's out of love. Not, not saying you're Jesus or I'm Enoch, but that's that spirit that lives within which is all connected through the Father. Yeah. Because remember, anything is possible, and nothing is as it seems. So when God steps in, God makes happen what he needs to happen for humanity and for those that love and follow him. Amen.
1: Amen. Yeah, that is is so true. And what you said about you seeing yourself as a king and then you seeing your wife as king and queen, I've seen that many times for myself and for Mimi and I. And Mm -hmm. the implications of that, We don't know, you know, it could be some other lifetime, you know. I don't know if reincarnation is a a thing that the way it's presented. I don't know if other worlds are, but it could just be a dream. It could be a simulation, you know. But I have also had that, and it's not to say that I'm going to be king over anybody, but I've just, when I was first introduced to the spirit realm, it was like, okay, there's a spiritual war going on. When this whole war gets over, you're going to be some kind of leader, and the word and king and the understanding of a crown and a throne and a robe and all that was just present in my understanding. And when I met Mimi, then it was like, okay, you know, she is part of this. And there you go. And we, I moved 750 miles after three weeks of knowing her, and it was because we just knew and. When you have this knowing of the spirit, you got to take these leaps of faith, and and doing it, it, it uh, you know that was me jumping out of a plane, was moving seven hundred and fifty miles. Been the best
2: experience of <laughs> yes. my life.
0: that's that's love. Yeah. That's amazing, and I'm shaking my head and smiling because I mean the similarities just can't be denied, right? So my wife and I, we we actually grew up in the same city. We uh, did too. In <laughs> wow, <how about laughs> I did the same
2: county. Yeah.
0: Wow, wow. 20 so he, away. Except
2: I lived all the way in Georgia when he still lived in Pennsylvania. I had moved 20 years, you know, 20 years ago. I'd moved down here.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So my wife and I, we we lived in the same town, and then we wound up being neighbors. Like once I was like in my maybe early 20s or something like that. We lived in the same apartment complex It's me and my son, because I was a single father um, for, for many years until my wife and I married. So it was just me and my son, and she would see me uh, with my kid and all like that, and we didn't pay any attention. We were just called, hey, how you doing? And then uh, she had a couple friends over after work. Uh, they were playing cards, having a few drinks or whatnot, and uh, one of her friends uh, invited me in. So we we go in, and again, my wife and I had uh, you know, knew each other, just not, not knowing each other, but just, you know, hey, neighbor, how you doing? Just, you know, hi, 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 hi and bye. And then so we were in there, so we were playing cards, and we kind of talked and got to know each other. It was, like, really cool. It was, like, okay, she's really cool. It wasn't anything more, you know, uh, just like, okay, she, she seems to be a good person. So I move away, and then years later I'm at work, and then here she is. She just got hired there. Right? Oh wow. And they were like, Hey neighbor, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> like, Here now, you know? And she's like, Yeah, so probably about a year or so after her working there, we started dating and we dated for ten months before we, we married. And oh wow. I remember being at her place we were sitting at her table, uh, eating and it's like my first aha or light bulb moment as they say, and I felt it and like I had this feeling come over me and it's it's just like she's the one. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's exactly what it was, man. And we've we've we're going to celebrate our 15 year uh wedding, a marriage anniversary this yeah. May, May 1st. May oh. 1st. So congratulations. Uh, yes. yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been a beautiful journey. um, That's for sure. And uh, she's my best friend. So when when I hear you say what you say, Todd, about about her, about Mimi, uh, I tell you what, man, it's 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 beautiful. I love what you two have, and you you two obviously have this this bond that is that is very unique. And you two will be blessed. You two will go high. You two will soar. And you two have some amazing things coming. To your oh, life, you're going to you do a friend. lot. You're going to do so much to help so many people. You both are. It's going to be, it's going to be beautiful, it's beautiful.
1: Thank you, and you know, I could say the same for you. And another uh, synchronicity: it was me and my daughter, because I was a single father when we met.
0: Right, right. There you go. There you hey, go, man.
1: Just keep on
0: checking them all. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, this
1: has been a, a great conversation, one of the best conversations that, that I've had. I say this recently, you know, more and more. But I mean, this is. Really, uh, I feel like a reconnecting, not just uh, uh, an initial yeah. thing. And, and I think we'll have to be doing things together. Maybe put them on both podcasts uh, yeah. because our conversations are just uh, really, really good.
0: They are, man. We're going to be doing some work together in the future. I think you said that a little while ago. But I think the father <laughs> has some plans for yeah. for yeah. us to do, man, on, on, a, on a pretty pretty big scale. So get ready.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh do you want to let my audience know where they can find you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh the Hidden Gateway podcast, uh my website is uh thehiddengateway.com. Uh YouTube channel as well, the Hidden Gateway podcast. You can find me there. Uh, and uh also have a few vi- videos or, you know, or, or podcast episodes I should say on big shoot that uh, YouTube will not allow. It gets really deep like the ones with uh, uh Robert Kennedy Jr. as well as David Ike, they are on there if people want to check those out and uh stay tuned for Tangelic a bit later this year as well and uh yeah it's it's uh been a fun ride and uh my email address support at com. if people want to want to chat would love to love chatting with people so that'd be cool too so all right, oh, my, my book as well. You mentioned my book. My yeah. book was published late last year in the Eye of the Father. You can find that on Amazon. Uh, uh, I, I'm very vulnerable and open up huge in that book. Uh, the stories I shared today with Todd and Mimi, is, as well as many more. So, if people are interested in that, they can they can purchase that on Amazon for about uh, eleven, twelve bucks. So.
1: Okay. Yeah, and I uh, I started reading. It. I read a few pages of it, but. I'm so busy with everything. It's I I haven't gotten it. I'll read
2: it. I've got all the time. To <laughs> yeah, right. it. it's my I, I read like all the books we get, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I've been accumulating books lately because <laughs> I feel that the power will go out at some point and that I'll need something to do. So I just, whenever uh, I see a good book, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get that. I, I don't have, have time to read it, read it now, this. but when I do, I'm I'm going to really bask in it.
2: Cool. Do you Sounds want to ask good. him about his yes. grounding technique? Yeah, so
1: the way I like to end the conversation is I like to ask my guest what their go to grounding technique is in this spiritual warfare world that we're in. How do you keep yourself clean and grounded to the earth?
0: Beautiful question. Beautiful question. I love it. So it's it's this what I like to call a ritual of sorts. So one of the things I do is uh I take a shower. Right. And then I run a bath water and uh, I have uh, some salts that I put in the bath water and uh, also a little bit of Florida water. And I put my earbuds in and, and do a meditation while I while I just soak in my tub. Right. And then I get out the tub after maybe I mean the time varies, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, just depending on how I feel Let So then I get out and uh, come into my room, turn on my fan in here, open up both windows, uh, light my sage, light my incense. And uh, I sage myself and then I have uh, uh, something else I burn and um, sweet grass, I believe it's called and Santo Paulo, Paulo Santo, something like that. Yes. And then then I, I go into my sacred place where I have my little altar and then I have a grounding meditation that I that I listen to. And uh, man, that that does it for me. That really does it for me. And each and every morning. I, I also go outside, you know, because I start work at six in the morning. So right around five fifteen, five thirty, I go outside. Again, I'm in I'm in the Phoenix area, so there there there's these these mountains, and the sun is just coming up, and I I just take in that fresh morning air, and then I I listen to the birds as they as they start to chirp as the sun is coming up. Then I do these deep breathing exercises. Then I just give thanks. I give gratitude, right? I say I thank the Father for for the air I'm breathing. I thank the Father for the birds I hear and see. I thank the Father for the mountains I see. I thank the Father for for the grass, for the trees. I thank the Father for for the now, for the experience that I'm having right now. I thank the Father for my family, and I, I just go through this this uh, maybe three to four minutes of of giving gratitude. Of just giving gratitude, and I start my day with with just being thankful and thankful for the experience, and I mm. I go forward, and that that does it for me, man. That grounds me, that keeps me in a place of love, that peace, keeps me in a place of joy, and that keeps me in a place of awareness, and it's 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 beautiful for me. So.
1: Well, that sounds amazing, my friend. Oh, and you mentioned that Robert Monroe uh, got a meditation. Can, do, is there a place that uh, people can find that if they're interested?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, it's a website. Uh, Monroe has passed on. Um, okay. He's passed on. I think he passed on back in the 90s, but he has a website and he has this whole facility that people can actually go to to, okay. to do these. But they also you know, have online classes and lessons as well. Uh, for people to learn. But you know what I recommend for people doing? Just go to YouTube and Google the Gateway Experience. Oh,
1: okay. You know,
0: do, do that. And uh, you can get started doing that, man. That's all I do. I didn't go pay any money for nice. for for the services. I just he has a couple online on YouTube, man. And I, I do that. And that that worked for me. I um, oh, just want to mention to people as well, Dr. Robert Mar- uh robert malone is another guy i i interviewed as well oh did you uh, yeah he's, he's oh, wow he's <laughs> i reached
1: out to him he hasn't gone back to me
0: <laughs> yes yeah, so i interviewed him like last october <laughs> yeah he has a lot more going on now than he did mm-hmm. when i when i spoke with him so that may have something to do with it. but that's on youtube yeah so if people yes. want to check that out that was a we went for about for about two hours and uh, oh wow yeah that was, that was a cool. good interview so.
1: Yeah, you got you definitely got some big names, my friend. Uh so like I said, you have authority in your voice, you know, there's a a command about you that, that people respond to. So
0: Thank you, uh, brother. Thank
1: you. Yeah, so everybody go check out Justin's stuff and I think that'll do it for this episode. So we will talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.